This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I love you. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Cranch alongside, as always, a savvy negotiator and leader of the hardcore wrestling intelligentsia, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's going on? I'm doing all right. Did you hit record this time? I did. I feel like I was. I was. I was about to say, Joe. I feel like we we just got done talking. Just like last week's episode just ended a second ago. But no, I I hit record this time. We lost. Uh, what was it? Two hours? Three hours of our great? Our one of our great? There was that our previous show that we never recorded was our greatest one. This last one, I don't know, Joe. Right neck and neck with it. Yeah, we our lost. Discussion was incredible. Mm-hmm. We had numbers. We had breaking news about the WWE TV report, like the the TV deal. We just we were. The energy was great. The flow was great. It's just, it, it worked. It just worked. And now this show is just going to suck. I promise. It's just going to suck. Yeah. Uh, Rich failed to hit the record button. Mm-hmm. And um, we lost, what, about 10 minutes of solid banter? <laughs> about seven minutes of uh, needless, worthless banter that was going absolutely nowhere just to buy us some time uh, until we could get to the uh, the business end of the show. But yeah, no, no. We uh, But of those seven minutes, though, great seven minutes, though. Some of the things, some of the people, we'll, we'll let the listeners just live in mystery. But here are some of the names that <laughs> yeah. came up in the banter. And these are all the true. The, does Rich stop me if any of these are a lie? Okay. All right. I will. Chris Mukigana Harrington. Correct. Um, Angelo Pafo and his, uh, his gimmick when he wrestled as the miser with a mask with dollar signs all over it. That did come up. This was seven minutes, by the way, all this, all these names that you're about to name here. Yes. Suit Williams. Suit Williams came up. Yes. Uh, Brandon Howard. Brandon Howard came up. Yes. References to nerds. Right. Um, Jerry Jarrett. Jerry Jarrett did. And his estate. Jerry Jarrett's estate. Jerry Jarrett's estate. That's right. Um, Iron Mike Spears. Did he come mm-hmm. up in our Iron Mike Spears? Did Motel Six? Motel Six was referenced. Was Motel Six referenced? Yes. yes. yes it was. Um, the Aaron's, the communist Aaron's, were they referenced in the <laughs> they opening were. banter? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let me think. Kevin Hare. Kevin Hare was yeah. Yeah. What a seven minutes, man. What a what a who's who in that seven. We packed a lot in that seven minutes, man. Wow. There was a lot in those seven minutes. Rich never slapped the record button, <laughs> and now none of those people. We'll never know what was said about them. And we all know Jerry Jarrett's going to be waiting with me to find <laughs> out what we had to say about him. Al Snow. Al Snow came up. Lanny Poffo. Uh, Mick, Mick Foley was brought up. Um, so it was quite the banter segment that none of you will ever hear. Because, quite frankly, we can't repeat that kind of magic. No, it was, it was, it was magic. Yeah, it was gold. It was audio gold. And, and, and you, can't, you can't weave that back. It's, it's What's done is done, and, and and we just have to move on and move on our lives. But uh, we got a fun show here uh, this week. We got a ton to talk about. Not so much, I, that's, you know, some in ring. We're going to talk about some in ring, my crazy wrestling weekend that I had last weekend. But a lot of it is going to be business end. 
um, this week with the All In. We got the uh, WWE TV rights rumors, uh, Dominion, a new New Japan president. Like this is going to be our nerdiest, most business episode we've had in quite some time here. We're you know preview a little bit of the best of Super Junior talk, uh, of course, about the weekend uh, that I, I had. But yeah, a lot of it is going to be kind of business end and and, and sort of um, things looking forward, kind of a forward thinking show of, of what's next in the pro wrestling world and whatnot. So a lot of good stuff going on there. So I'm pretty excited about this show. But Joe, before we get going with that. Uh, do you want to let people know about ZipRecruiter? Oh, I do. I do, Rich. Are you hiring? Me? Are you asking me, the prospective voice wrestling listener? I'm asking you, Rich Krejci. Are you oh, hiring? I am. Okay. Well, posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it. Stop wasting your time, Rich, and start using ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. And right now, Voices Wrestling listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Voices Wrestling slash VOW. That's right. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. ZipRecruiter. The smart way to hire. Rich, do you know who else is hiring? I don't. I have no idea what this lead in is to, but go. Evolve is hiring. Oh, okay. You, we lost that in the banter as well. Uh, you just can't. You hate Evolve. Can't you stand con- it. You constantly bury Evolve. I don't know why. <laughs> um, you, you, you explained, you know, uh, haphazardly during the, the, the lost recording session we just had why you hate Evolve, and I still don't understand your reasoning. Um, they've sort of hit the reset button, but I can't let you off the hook here. Why are you constantly bashing Evolve? I don't understand. Evolve, it's, it's part of the quality WWN Live family of promotions. I know you're a huge fan of FIP. Uh, what is it with you? What is your gripe? What is, your, what is this feud that you have with Evolve? Have you been exchanging nasty? Look, Gabe's been nice to us lately. This I know. Even... Well, not on the not on the shoot accounts. You think he's nice on the voice wrestling accounts? The shoot accounts, there's there's gunfire going on those. Let me tell you. Well, well you know what? Then maybe that explains it. I, <laughs> there's nothing. I, I just don't want to go to Evolve. I've been to so much wrestling uh, over the last uh, last weekend. I, I went to three shows. We're gonna talk about those. Uh, of course, we previewed them last week. Went to three shows. I'm burnt out on wrestling. Went to the All In press conference. It, I had a weekend full of fucking wrestling, and like the last thing I want to do this weekend is go back to live wrestling. So, uh, which I and I admire the WrestleMania weekend folks. The the people that that get there on Thursday plane touches down and they're running the shows. I mean, my, I, I did those three shows plus the press conference. And by Monday I was burnt. I was just fried and I never wanted to see wrestling again. When that ring of honor show, when the final bell rang, <laughs> I just ran out of that show. and didn't want to even think about wrestling for like two straight days. I don't know how you wrestle me in a weekend. People do it, but I got to get ready. It's coming up this weekend, but no, I, I mean, it all's fine. It, it, it's, there, there's this weird period right now that they're going through, and, and game promotions kind of always do this, and and for better or for worse, I enjoy that they they go through these periods where they're kind of rebuilding, and and obviously you lose Keith Lee, you lose Zach Saber Jr., you lose some other talents, and you need to kind of 
give them an influx, you know, an influx now of new talent, new different people. And Gabe's great about finding those next guys, honing in on those next guys and really building those next guys. But you can have some shows that are real kind of stinkers that just kind of don't really have any atmosphere to them. They just kind of don't feel like there's much there. And and that's kind of how these weekend shows feel to me. I think after this weekend, they will hopefully, you know, from there have some building blocks and and have some guys that can kind of build around. You'll get an idea. Okay, you know, a, a, a Zachary Wentz is a guy that they're going to get behind. So now I'm going to start watching. But there's those weird weekends. And, and you know, a DGUSA went through those. Ring of Honor sometimes went through those. Evolve's gone through it, you know, numerous times in, in, in their history where there's this, like you said, the reset button and like the shows after the reset button just they don't have the same kind of pizzazz and they don't have the same sort of energy to them that eventually went when when games firing on all cylinders they do and that that's kind of my worry as well that even if i hadn't watched a ton of wrestling last weekend i don't know that i'm i'm over the moon on this weekend's shows you know particularly the one coming in, in chicago in my area but there's just i mean they're fun shows they look okay on, on paper but there's just not that energy there's not that oh my god i have to do the show or else i'm, I'm gonna you know completely regret it and and it could be a, a situation as well a lot of the talent they're using i've seen in aw plenty of times like all those guys i can go any single, you know, every weekend and see them in AEW. I don't know that I necessarily have to go out of my way to watch them in Evolve or whatever. So that, that that's it's a combination of things. Busy weekend, and I don't know, just not a ton of energy coming from the, from those cards or from the, the current brand. All I hear is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm a dirty slut, it and I hate Evolve. That's all I, <laughs> that's... You know, I, look, I think these Evolve shows are going to be good. I think that we're going to get some fresh directions. And um, you know what? To hell with you, Rich, if you will not attend Evolve this weekend. Are you coming this weekend, Joe? You making the trip up? Now, listen. If Evolve was running 10 minutes from my house, I'd go. Um, but no, I will not be flying up to Chicago to okay, attend. Right. Uh, well, if you, if you fly up, I'll go with you. But otherwise... Is that, a, is that a promise? Uh, no. <laughs> I have to do. See, I, it's also... See, no, no. I, you want to know I the called reason? your bluff. I, I will hop on a plane, okay? I called your bluff... And you still this. I, this is my proof. You hate evolve. Okay, I don't you know why know you can't I, just admit you hate evolve. <laughs> you know the actual reason why, and and um, I ditched my mom a lot last weekend during Mother's Day because obviously at the all in press conference. <laughs> so my mom la- later in the week was like, "All right, well, you know." what are you doing Sunday? And I, I had to tell her like, well, I'm going to a wrestling press conference and then I'm driving home and then going to a wrestling show. So no, I cannot hang out with you then. So, so we have moved our plans to this Saturday. So that, that is a big reason why uh, as well. That I'm your mother's day's plans. Yes, this is. Yeah. What you should tell her is look, Joe Lanz is flying up. Okay. I, if, if you flew up, she would absolutely allow me to change all my plans. She loves you. Yeah. So. See, I see you tell her John Lance asking about you. She asked you about you more than she. I the, the minute I walked to the door, she's like, Oh, you know, I heard Joe's. How, how's Joe's job going? I'm like, I don't know, it's fine, I'm sure. Like, she's like, Don't you talk about this stuff? I'm like, No, we, we get on here, we talk for two seconds, then we hit record, and everything you hear is what we talk. She, she thinks you and I like exchange phone conversations every night, like it's on Tuesday, and I'm bored in my tub, and I'm just like, Joe, you know, uh, how was your day, Joe? <laughs> what happened? Like, that's what this that's what the show is for, <laughs> exactly. for everybody else with that. Um, yeah, you tell your mother Joe Lanza's coming to town. She's listening right now, her, so she, she can hear. She can hear for sure. So you, I'm going to tell, tell her. her. You tell, tell Rose. Her. You tell Rose right now. Listen, Rose Creech, okay? Joe Lanza's coming to town, and for Mother's Day this year, you're going to see the ascension of new stars in the WWN Live family, such as Zach Wentz and uh, whoever else is working the shows. I'm not even sure. <laughs> but uh, this is you, – you have a, a chance to experience the beginning of something new. Rose, you know, if you could have been been sent back in time, Rose, to see the first Evolve appearances 
of men like Keith Lee and Zack Sabre Jr., you you would have signed up for the chance. Well, this is your opportunity to get in on the ground floor of the next wave of superstars for Evolve. How's that for a sell job? Yeah, Myron Reed. Yes. Decker Wentz, as you mentioned. Yeah, there's, there's, that's, yeah, James Drake. Well, James Drake's been there for a while, but he's going for a heavyweight challenge against Keith Lee, of course. So that's, that's a big deal here. But no, it was like fun shows. But yeah, I'm just kind of burnt out on wrestling after the last weekend. But, uh, Joe, uh, there's one show that's coming up that I know that you're 100% going to absolutely go to because you could not miss it for the world. Uh, and that's all in. So, uh, do you want to let everybody know about your plans for all in? You're ready to go. You're all Ah. set. You got your tickets. This is the revenge portion of the show. No, I will not be attending all in. Oh. You knew I could not attend All In. Oh. Uh, it is my beautiful bride's birthday weekend. Hmm. And uh, I think I'd have a lot of trouble um, selling that one. <laughs> Brittany, this is the changing, a revolutionary. <laughs> she's not listening. There's no chance. Does she ever listen to any of these? Uh, no, she, she no listened to, to the to her, she but... listened to the entire three episode run of Lanza Unfiltered. Oh, okay. All right. But um, not a flagship listener. No, cannot stand the wrestling. Just can't stand it. Can't even be in the same room as the wrestling. Just yeah, just is is disgusted by. So it. I won't speak so, directly to her, but you can relay to her that you're going to potentially see a transformative pro wrestling event from suburban Chicago and Hoffman Estates. You know, you get get in unbel- not since the heyday of WCW, not since when worlds collide have we seen a show like this. And you're going to let Joe miss that. It's it's just unbelievable. Starcast. I will, uh, Joe's gonna Joe's gonna miss the podcast convention of the of the century. Oh, we're, I thought that was our three. Uh oh, are we doing this now? Uh, uh, do you want to? People have been asking for it. People have, have been clamoring for it. Do you want to do? Uh, it's up to you. It's up. I'll, I'll let you're the one. You've said I've had the chains on you, so I will let you decide when you want to. You know, escape from the cage and 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 <laughs> you know, maul uh, our our opponent here. I, I will whenever you want. Whenever you want a Matanza Starcast, you let me know, and you can you can do it. We can handle this in a classy way. How about that? Us? <laughs> yes. We're classy okay. men. Uh, okay. Do you say so? Uh, listen, we we will not be appearing at StarCast along with such luminaries as podcasts that have like six followers and, and uh, you know, Road Warrior Animal and David Penzer. We will not be appearing at the StarCast. Uh, we, we, we declined, um, politely declined, two separate invitations um to to be featured alongside the buffalo wild wings logo um yeah it just uh it 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 wasn't for us i mean i mean first of all you know i guess we've always been honest with the listeners um the first invitation was pay to play which many other podcasts received um you know a lot of those podcasts you see on podcast row i would assume most if not all are paying for the right to be there. I believe what was it, Rich? About five hundred dollars a day. Around there, yeah. I don't remember the exact total, but it was near there. It was definitely near that 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 price point. Yeah, the package is something like five hundred five hundred dollars a day. Now remember, this is running Thursday through Sunday, so there are eight tables available per day at five hundred dollars per day. So uh, they're looking to pocket about sixteen grand on the you know podcast row. Where uh, you know various podcasts, no matter what the stature, uh, you know, could pay to be there, and um, we just didn't see any kind of return on the investment whatsoever. Uh, Rich and I agreed, like, you know, even if we pay for one day, I mean, what? Where's the return on the investment there? 
you know, and, and what you get for your $500 is, and this is verbatim, I'm not doing shtick here. You get a table, two chairs, an internet to, to do a show. Um, and you also get um, all in guests, which similar to the Super Bowl uh, radio row, all in guests, um, unnamed guests will walk down podcast row and give 10 minutes of their time to, to the various eight shows that are there on the, on the given day. So, um, I don't know. I wasn't too thrilled with the idea. Number one of paying $500 to fly to Chicago, um, sit there and maybe interview flip Gordon for 10 minutes. I don't want to interview flip Gordon anyway. I mean, no offense to flip Gordon. Um, but you know, on top of that, um, look, the bigger name podcasts that are there, and it's pretty much every wrestling podcast under the sun, um, they're all being paid to be there. Um, Dave Meltzer did make it a point to say that uh, him and Brian are not being paid to be there. They cut a different kind of deal where they're going to own the rights to all of their content and do a show and all this. So he's like maybe one of the lone exceptions, but the other shows are uh, you know being paid to be there. I mean, I you know I I. You know, Cody Rhodes even said himself during Disco Inferno dust up that Disco is getting a payday out of this. I mean, they're paying the other shows to be there. Um, you know, look, I, I don't look. You know, if they don't see the Voices of Wrestling podcast on the same level as the fucking Road Warrior Animal podcast, I mean, that's fine. That's one thing. But when there's when there's podcasts coming to Starcast where we know for a fact that some of those people listen to this show where we know for a fact that some of those people read our site, where we know for a fact that some of those people, you know, follow our Twitter account and interact with us and all those sorts of things. And we're given an invitation to sit at what, in my opinion, amounts to the kids table. Well, I'm not interested, especially if I have to pay for the right. Basically, if you're paying to be on that, that, that podcast row, you know, you're, you're paying to promote an event that's already making money off of you. And to me, I saw that as a horrible business decision. What am I getting from that? Now, you know, and honestly, you know, whether I'm delusional or not, um, you know, I see myself on the level of any wrestling podcast there is. I, I, you know, and and we may, you know, it's, and and that might just be being cocky. That might be being delusional. But I, Joe Lanza, Voices of Wrestling, Rich Krejci, I don't take a backseat to anybody. I don't get put at the kids table for anyone. I'm sorry, I don't, especially when I know that some of those podcasts up there on that main stage who are being paid to be there are listening to our show. Pay us. Contribute to our Patreon. Read our site. Okay? Rich, am I, am I making it? That's 100% true. Mm-hmm. No, no, 100%. Yeah. So, and then, you know, we're not going to name names, but yeah, they're, they're, you can probably – you know, look at the, the list of people on there and probably assume that some of the ones. Yeah, I'm not saying there. all of them, but there's definitely no, people up on that main page. You know, so I see myself on that same level. So, you know, some people are going to say that I'm coming across maybe bitter or jealous or delusional, and that's fine. But I'm not sitting at the kids' table with with chair shot and blade job radio shows and paying for the right to do it. That's ridiculous. You know, those shows, any show that's paying to be there. Is out of their fucking mind, and they're throwing, they're taking money. You you may as well take money and put it through a shredder. It's this, you're getting the same return. It's for what? Just so you can tweet out the all in logo and say that you're all in, right? And you're hoping that 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 people will they'll they'll tweet out your account, you know, your Twitter account a lot, and you'll get followers or whatnot. But you know, 
<laughs> is that is that worth five hundred dollars? I don't think so. It's an embarrassing lineup of low level podcasts, and and I'm sorry, we're above it. And if that comes off cocky, too bad. That was invitation number one. We did receive a second invitation um, from Starcast. Uh, you know, uh, I guess about well, a few days ago or a week ago or whatever, um, saying that we received the um, the pay invite in error, uh, and we were offered a free slot. Show up and there's and we have a space reserved for you, which was very gracious of Starcast. I think Rich would agree. I'm not trying to, you know, come off ungrateful. That was very gracious of them. Um, you know, unsolicited to they came to us. We didn't go to them. We received a message out of the blue from Starcast saying, Hey guys, you know, what's going on? And we were like, Hey, look, well, we politely declined. I explained to StarCast exactly what I just said on the air using the same exact analogies, the kid table analogy. Just told them straight out, hey, listen, this is why we're not doing it. Okay? Um, if you see us at that level, that okay, fine, but we don't. We're a bigger deal than that. And uh, they offered a free slot, which uh, I, we, I spoke it over at Rich, and we, we've, we're going to decline that as well. Um, it, it just, uh, you know, I suppose the first day sales were great hopefully it's an enormous success um rich might have some a different perspective and things to add but um yeah i mean i don't know i just i didn't like the perception of being lumped in with chair shot and blade job style shows i mean i, I we're better than that um and and i'm uh you know it, it to me it was a perception issue and you know i won't be perceived that way now the the free slot that we were offered was supposedly a little different it was on a radio row with espn radio and serious not but I, I don't know i'm just not i'm not into it okay you put me on the main stage with the main acts i'll go you don't see me there at this point that's fine that's fine i'll tell you what you take a look at a lot of shows around that main stage we will be here longer than them we will be here longer than them these these uh, name brand podcasts, they don't last. They get bored. They get tired of it. They drop out. A lot of them are successful. I got a lot of respect for some of the shows that are there. Um, you know, I don't happen to listen to many of them, if any of them at all. I just, this is not my thing. Um, but we will outlast the majority of the show. You cannot tell me that Road Warrior Animal is doing better audio than me. He's not. It, it, it just isn't happening. And I'm not, you know, I hate to pick on him specifically. Maybe his fucking show is traumatic, but I guarantee you, We'll be here long after Road Warrior Animal gets bored doing podcasts. So um, I don't know. That's maybe it's maybe this is Joe Lanza's ego running out of control. But um, you know, I it's just I I I feel bad for all of those podcasts, many of them low level uh, podcasts that think that paying five hundred dollars a day to sit at one of those tables is a good investment for them. I I, I genuinely feel bad for them. Um, to me, it's uh, I, I would stop short of uh, of calling it a scam. It's not a scam, but it's certainly a horrible deal, and one that as soon as I saw it, we basically laughed at it. But uh, I don't know, Rich. You have anything to add or? Yeah, yeah. I think my my general thoughts dur- during the entire process was, you know, when, when Starcast was initially announced in, in conjunction with All In, I, w- I was pretty excited about it because obviously there's this, you know, what's purported to be a podcast convention happening, you know, minutes from my house. You know, I live in this area. I was like, oh, this is great. And right away, when the minute the Starcast Twitter account went up, 
I immediately sent a DM and was like, Hey, we want to, I, I would love to be a part of this. Let me know what, what you need. I, I, you know, this sounds great. This sounds awesome. And this, it, and, it, and it was exciting at the time. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is perfect. Like I didn't know what it was going to be, but it felt like, well, this is a perfect opportunity. I'm local. Like I'm here. I can, you know, come and I can, I can be a part of this and I can help whatever it was, whatever situation it was. Cause I was like, this could be a great opportunity for us. It's, it's in our backyard or whatever. As we, as you know, it kept getting announced and as, as more things kind of kept coming out, I, I stopped be, being really excited about it because I think the tenor around the, the the show, and I mentioned this when I did my interview with Cody Rhodes um, at the All In Press Conference, which is up on our Patreon as well, and and it's been kind of my concern. I mentioned it on Twitter as well. Is when I thought that this podcast convention was going to be in conjunction with All In, I had a certain idea in my head of what I thought Starcast was going to be. I thought somewhere to All In, it was going to be a hey, we're going to show the world that that there's you know, independent podcasts, independent workers, independent, you know, they, it felt like there was going to be the same sort of thing. And then one by one, they kept just announcing Bruce Pritchard and Eric Bischoff and Tony Schiavone and, and, and these sort of guys. And there obviously are your guys who's obviously the post wrestling guys who we respect and we love and, 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 and they're big fans of us and, and we love them as well. The D- Dave and Brian guys that, you know, have obviously come up and, and does stuff. Matthew from uh, the Botchamania is going to be there. So there, there's a lot of guys that are not, just former guys, but then there's like Joey Mercury and Booker T and, 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 and more and more, they just kept, kept being those sort of guys being announced. And, and as it went on, I just kind of was like, I, you know, I don't know that I necessarily want to be a part of this. I don't know that I necessarily want to be a part of a thing that's promoting Brutus, the barber beefcake. Like, like I don't want to be a part of that. Cause that to me is not what all in represented to me. That's not what all in should be. And it's not what all in is. And, and that was my, you know, I guess my naive idea of what I thought Starcast was going to be initially thinking that it was in conjunction with all in and, and and it is the weekend of all in and it's you know they're using all in branding but it's really not you really almost have to at this point think of them as two separate things because they're ran by two separate people as well and that's that's the thing i think a thing that that i know cody and the bucks have been a little bit more transparent about recently with the vince russo shit and with the disco inferno stuff that like we're we're we're, we're sort of promoting this but it's kind of outsourced. You know, it's another group that's doing this. It's another, you know, entity of people that are sort of promoting this or whatnot. And 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 I think that's one of mistake because I think there's some clouded message there of like, wait, wait, you're you know promoting Disco Inferno, but at the same time, the next day is this great show or whatever. And 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 all this is really kind of negated because all in sold out a ton of tickets and and it didn't matter. And Starcast is selling well too, but I think it's kind of maybe two different audiences in a lot of ways. But it, regardless, you know, whether we had a free invitation or not. I just don't like the tenor on the, sh- the the entire production of Starcast. I just don't like the idea of it. I don't like that there's death of WCW seminars. That there's that there's just so much '90s and '80s stuff in there. When All In is the antithesis of uh, of that. All In is about progress. All In about is about changing the game. All In is about something different and revolutionary and new and unique. And nothing about Starcast is that. And that's fine. Like I, again, if that's what they and and it was like I said, maybe my naive thought of what I thought Starcast was going to be in my mind. And they they've obviously went a different direction. And it's been successful for them, so that's fine. That's good. But it's just something that we don't necessarily want to be directly a part of right now. You know, we don't want to be there live, boots on the ground for the convention. So so that's it. That's the long and the short of it. It's also on a Thursday and Friday. Like I got a bunch of stuff going on that weekend. I'm gonna have people, you know, hanging out and and, and stuff. People that are coming in, traveling from out of town and stuff. So as, as it kind of went on more and more, I was like, is it really worth the effort? I'd rather just kind of have fun with with people that are gonna be traveling here and doing some sort of stuff and having it be in my backyard this entire show and this entire weekend. So you know what? I, I I don't know. I necessarily need it, but yeah, it's it's just I, I, we're not I, bitter. Is not I I don't think the way to describe it because I don't think we are. I don't think we're jealous or we're bitter. 
we just are proud of what we do here. We're proud of, of what we've created and we're, 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 you know, we're confident in our abilities and confident in what our podcast is and confident in our listenership. I mean, we, we launched a Patreon and it was tremendously successful and we, it, it shocked all of us that it was as successful as it was. And there are a lot of people that listen to the show and, and, and enjoy it and really, and, and, and getting, you know, that initial invite was kind of like a hard punch. Like, Oh really? Okay. Like that's kind of where you see us. And even with the, the gracious free offer, it was like, well, by that time, I have really kind of lost what the appeal of this entire event was, and that's 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 for me more than anything, more than more because if I had if 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 I thought this thing was really awesome and it was like all independent podcasters and all independent wrestlers and it felt truly like an alternative convention that wasn't just a WrestleCon, then I would probably still find a way to get there. But when you're promoting Brutus the Barber Beefcake, when you're promoting a Disco Inferno, when you're promoting a JJ Dillon or whatnot, that's nothing personally against any of those guys. Maybe Disco, he's kind of an ass. But it's I don't want to saddle my, you know, I don't want to hitch my wagon to those guys. I don't want to hitch my wagon to 90s guys. I don't want to go to a convention that's just dripping with with people and their encyclopedias trying to get, you know, XWCW guys to sign it or what. I, I, I have no interest in that. I would go to WrestleCon if I had interest in that. I, I would go to Access if I had interest in that. I don't. I, I have interest in All In. I'm going to All In because I think that's a cool, unique event. But StarCast, just, it, it, it kind of lost that for me. And that's me. That's me as and, and you as our audience. It is selling tons of tickets. People are obviously interested in it. So that's good. Go ahead. It should be a fun event for those people that are sort of interested in it, but it's not what we are. We have never been that, and we're not going to be that. So that's that's kind of where I stood more than anything. It's just like when I saw the names and I kind of got the idea of what this thing was going to be, it stopped being something that was attractive to me uh, on, on any level, really. There's a there's there's a podcast, a featured podcast at this event that was coming to us to promote their podcast a couple weeks ago. And, I, and, and I'm not making that up. You know who I'm talking about, Rich. It, 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 there's a podcast being featured at this thing. So There's someone being paid to be there that was coming to us for us to promote their podcast just a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, I don't know. To me, it's a, it's a perception thing. You know, you're paying that guy to be there to pay me. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think that's, that's unfair. Um, you know, you know and, and if that guy hadn't been on TV for 10 minutes, there's no shot that he'd be, you know, that he'd be being paid to come to this convention. So uh, he, it's certainly not because he's doing a podcast better than ours or that has more ears on it because he's coming to us to promote him. So, um, you know, and I'm not going to say who it is because I don't want to necessarily rip the guy, but no, no, not at all. It's, it's, but that just goes to show. It's like, I don't know. I, I have a, um, you know, I, I, I hold what we do and this show in, in higher regard and, um, you know, again, if that, if that makes me cocky or, or delusional, that's, that's fine. I have no problem. I've been called, believe me, I've been called a lot worse for things <laughs> right. I've said on this show. So if you're going to call me cocky or delusional or, you know, um, you know, whatever word, you know, it, it, then that's fine. I, I don't have any problem with that, but, um, you know, that's, that's the Starcast thing. Now, um, if 10 minutes from now they offer us, you know, money to show up, I'm getting on the first plane. <laughs> um, we are whores. We are indeed whores. I will sell out in 30 fucking seconds. And and that's just me being honest. I mean, that, then the game changes. If they come back and say, hey, look, you know, we'll, we'll give you some money. That probably doesn't even matter how much. You, you, we'll give you some money and, you know, we'll, you know, we'll put you on that main stage and feature you. Well, then, yeah, I'm on the first fucking plane. So don't exactly hold me up as some hero of the independent spirit because uh, I'm certainly not trying to portray myself as that. I'm just a cocky dude who thinks his podcast is 
is probably way better than it really is. And that that's fine. But that's how I approach this. I approach this like it's the best wrestling podcast on earth because I truly believe that it is. So um, that's, that's StarCast. That is a much more polite um, diatribe than I would have went on a few days ago. Um, but you know, you know, you just need some time to calm down and cool off. And, um, I genuinely do feel bad for those podcast role shows though. They are, they are, they, uh, they get ripped off in my view. So, um, whatever, let's talk about, um, the all in wrestling show. You attended the quote unquote press conference. That was not a press conference. That was a pep rally. Um, calling it a press conference is just comical. There's a lot of different opinions on it. Honestly, I'm watching the thing and I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for you sitting there. Um, but it, you know, at the same time, it kind of fit the gimmick of the elite and being the elite. You were in the room, Rich. Uh, what did you make of that thing that they called a press conference? Yeah, it was, uh, it was unique. And I think my, 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 Sort of my thoughts on it are a little jaded because after the press conference, we were able to have had these scrums and these one-on-ones with the wrestlers or whatnot. And that was great. That was an awesome opportunity. As I said on Patreon, I had my, my interview. It was, it was me and uh, Mike Killiam from uh, ProWrestling.com got to interview Cody. And 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 that was great. And there was I, I heard from I, you know, I watched some of the other you know one-on-one interviews that happened. Uh, you know, otherwise Derek Walker, PW Ponderings was doing some stuff, Russell Zone was there uh, talking to guys. There was a lot of guys, you know, that were talking to 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 individuals on, on the show one-on-one. And that I thought was really good. And that was an open book. Those guys gave us a lot more time than they needed to give. You know, Cody gave us, you know, 20 minutes, even though they were already late for ring of honor, there was a lot of stuff. So that was cool that they kind of were, were, were more than open to kind of let us do that. The press conference though, the kind of the public facing part of it, I get why everybody kind of had the perception that they had. And I had it too, you, you know, initially when it was, it was going on because you know, the, the media gets in first and we're kind of sitting in our first two rows or whatnot. And we're kind of, you know, talking and it's, it's, you know, it's a pretty good, you know, some heavy hitters in the world of a, uh, of a wrestling that's there. And again, like another thing of like why we kind of thought that we were, were, you know, a pretty big deal is, you know, it's, it's us rubbing elbows with, with, with big time websites, like these top tier websites and, and us like we're right there with them. So it's like one of those things where, you know, again, you know, we're a little confident in what we do, but we should be because we're, we're there i mean we're getting invites to these these sort of things or whatnot but you know so we're kind of chatting we're, we're kind of getting an idea of what it is and then we knew that they were letting fans in and they were gonna let the first 50 fans in or whatnot and as the fans started rolling in and it was exactly the fans that you would assume that would wait outside to get to a, a quote-unquote press conference for all in they some guy one guy told me he was there for 14 hours joe Ugh. how long was that press conference like 35 minutes tops Ugh. he waited 14 hours <laughs> embarrassing he's probably got a he's probably got a table at starcast (laughs) with his his podcast that nine people listen to i mean come on what are you doing yeah that the the 14 hour guy was just like because i was like oh how long have you guys been waiting out here it's like 14 hours and i was just like oh i didn't know how to react you know what i mean because i was hoping he was gonna say like oh four hours i'm like oh that's cool all right cool good luck like when he said 14 i just like turned white and like walked away like oh god like there has to be something better for you to do in your life than wait here for 14 hours but regardless they let you know 50 fans in or whatever so you have two rows of, of media members and then 50 fans i mean the two rows of media members are probably i don't know 15 20 tops Guys, I mean, that might even be more. It might even be 10. Now I'm thinking about the, the count. No, you know, it was about 20, about 20 or so, uh, quote, unquote, medium members, then 50 fans. So the fans definitely outweighed the, the medium members. And as, as you said, as the quote unquote press conference is going on, those fans have decided to chant, to scream, to yell, to to ask dumb questions, to kind of do this sort of, you know, when they did ask questions, there was not a whole lot of Q and a, one of the Q and a's was just a way to kind of get flip Gordon through a table or whatnot. And I got that. But then like the bucks actually asked questions and somebody asked 
about someone's dick size. I don't even remember who they were asking about, but it was just like, come on, Jesus Christ. And I'm, you know, the guys are looking at their watches going, oh shit, we're late for Ring of Honor. And I'm thinking, oh my God, we're not going to get that one-on-one time. These guys are going to say, oh, that was it. That was a press conference. We're out of here. Bye. And had that happened, I'd be on the show having a much different thought about that entire press conference. But knowing that those guys then gave us that those 20, 30 minutes after the, the quote unquote press conference, you said more of a pep rally that I think sort of saved it for me. But I get that people that just watched on Twitch or watched on the stream are looking at that and going, oh, my God, this is terrible. And and there was a perception there was media members chanting and hollering and hooting and whatnot. We weren't doing anything. We were st- sitting in our seats, you know, kind of waiting for, OK, when are we going to ask questions? When are we going to be able to have our time to kind of really do a serious you know, <laughs> things about this? And it was the fans that were kind of the 50 or so fans that were let in that were doing the chants that were wearing bullet club shirts and whatnot. Everybody in the media row was, was, was you know, wearing polo shirts or button down shirts. Like everybody looked good. You know what I mean? It, it, it wasn't this idea because I've seen it online where, oh, my God, a bunch of media members wearing bullet club shirts chanting fuck Vince or whatever. It wasn't that at all. That was fans. I can't I can't, you know. I, I don't know what you want me to do to, to atone for some what some random fans said, but like the actual people that were brought in, the media members that were brought in, guys from Fightful, guys from WrestleZone, guys from ProWrestling.com, guys from PW Ponderings and whatnot that were let in were all very respectful the entire time and not chanting and not doing all that sort of stuff, more or less waiting for that moment when we could get these fucking fans out of here and actually ask real questions and get down to business. And we got that after the press conference. So in one respect, yeah, had, had they just ditched after the press conference, I'd be coming out here bearing the fuck out of it that I drove my ass down there for, for nothing. But it, I, I thought it was pretty fruitful. And I, I think anybody that listened to the Patreon uh, interview that I had with Cody Rhodes, they'll, they'll agree as well. I think it was a very good uh, interview. He was an open book, a lot of good info in there as well. And I know PW Ponderings posted theirs, uh, Processing.com posted theirs because we all had kind of different people that we talked to. But uh, yeah, that definitely saved it. But I get the, the, the actual press conference itself was kind of a joke. And I was kind of embarrassed to be there for most of the time. But but you did get your promised one-on-one time that we talked about last week. Not, I mean, technically it wasn't one-on-one. So how did it work? Um, the media members are there. Is there is there a placard on your chair that says Rich Creech Voices of Wrestling? So they, they had you sitting in the front, correct? Correct. You know, we could just choose wherever we wanted to sit to. Okay. So, but but media had I their chose to sit next to Mr. Dave Lagana, though, because I'm going to name drop the fuck out of it tonight. So. Enjoy. Okay. So you and Lagana are, are, are <laughs> you're up, you're in the front row there. Yucking it up. Um, the other media members are there. Um, so after the quote unquote press conference ends, you, you, you're all paired off with, with now you were with Cody along with two other reporters. Okay. Are there other wrestlers who were paired off with other media members and who were they? Yeah, the Bucks had uh, had multiple guys. I forget who they were. Were the exactly. Bucks separate or together? They were together. Yeah, because we were joking about that. We were talking, you know, as as all kind of because the, they we were in the line and, and a guy would come down and say, "Hey, are you media? Okay, come with me because you don't have to be with these unwashed masses of this line." Like that was the best part about it too. I'm in this line and and, and Derek Walker, who who writes for PW Ponderings or whatnot, and we talked to him a lot on Twitter. He's you know, we're, him and I are talking. We're like, "Oh, geez, do we get do we have to wait in this line?" Or whatever. I was like, "Really? I hope not." And I told this, you to skip the line, didn't I? I told you, Rich. Get out of the geek line and go to the front and say, I'm Rich Creech from Voices of Wrestling. Yeah, I didn't want to lose my spot, though. You know what I mean? Like, just in case. Like, I didn't want to – it was more – it was it was not about, like, that I wasn't going to get let in because I was absolutely going to get let in. It was more that I just didn't want to wait for fucking 40 minutes to let these unwashed masses get in first. So, thankfully, a guy with a clipboard came up and said, hey, is anybody media? And I said, yes. And his response was, oh, thank God, which I thought was a pretty apt response from the guy. <laughs> that was just like, oh, good. Okay. And then then it was me and a few other guys. And, and so we kind of converged, and, and we were discussing, okay, who do you have or who's your kind of one-on-one time or whatnot and i said you know i have cody or whatnot and one guy said oh we have the bucks and we were joking that like oh man can you imagine just having nick like hey nick jackson like how are you and he's like good you're like all right uh so all in he's like yeah it's all in like so no you had both bucks um i think the the breakdown was 
Um, if I remember correctly, and again, I might have this exactly, I might not have this 100% correct. I believe it was Cody was, was the one group. Uh, the Bucks were one group. Uh, Marty was on his own, or Mar- it might have been Marty with a few, it might have been Marty with Flip Gordon or someone like that. I, I forget what it was. I think it was only about four Probably or five Hangman. different. I would guess Hangman was. You know what? You're right. Yeah, it was Marty and Hangman. And then Flip and Tessa were there too. I don't know that people. I don't know that people were assigned those those people, but they were there and they were open to to, to do interviews gotcha, as well. Gotcha. So, so I, if you so if you got what you needed out of Cody and wanted to peel off and ask Tessa a question, you could you had yeah the they were there they were just kind of hanging out there because we went to the back of right. uh, of crossing tees and they're all kind of there you know converging yeah. it's the box and their wives and, and and different people back there you know people working behind the scenes at, at crossing tees they're all kind of there and they you know none of them were leaving right away so it was like hey okay I'm done with Cody okay I'll go there and I know there was. Uh, I believe the PW Foundries, Derek Walker, was was done with Marty or whoever he, he talked to first and then went on to Tessa and then went on to Flip. So I was able to uh, kind of get three in there where I kind of right. had Cody. Cody was giving me a lot of good info, so I wasn't about to to leave. And I was worried that because they had talked about the call time for Ring of Honor being like an hour ago. And right. I was like, oh, shit, like you guys are fucked. And he's like, ah, it's cool, whatever, <laughs> which, you know. After the yeah. day's proceedings, they have a lot of leverage, so they could probably say, ah, fuck it, whatever. But no, so that that was like, I could have just ditched Cody after 10 minutes and went over to Tessa, but Cody was giving me right. a lot of good stuff, so I wasn't going to do that. So they kind no, of all... It wasn't, so, so it was a true media scrum. There were other people that you could bounce to. It's not like they were locking you in to your assigned... Oh, no, no, no. I talent. mean, like, like Nick Jackson was just playing on his phone, like, by himself. Like, the guys that were interviewing were done, and he was just sitting there playing on his phone. If I wanted to, I could say, hey, Nick, you know, and, and I could have talked to him for, for 10 minutes, too. I mean, they, they, they were all there and open and, and, and willing. They they, they had sort of accepted that people are going to come here and we're going to ask us questions. And it was, it was kind of cool in that sense. Like I said, it was super transparent. It was super open. And that's why like the press conference has such a negative connotation. And I get why it does, but that media scrum was really good. I mean, there was a lot of good stuff coming on there. I could hear other conversations going on. Everybody was giving their, nobody was kayfabing it either. You know what I mean? Nobody was, was bullshitting. Nobody was doing anything that they were doing at the press conference. It was very much, you know, okay, this is, you know, real people asking us real questions. Let's get into it. And there were, you know, questions sort of baiting about certain things, but everybody was an open book. I, I, I could hear behind me, you know, the Bucks talking about it, you know, obviously talking to Cody, all those sort of guys. There was there was an open book from from everybody there. So that was really cool that, that they kind of opened that up and did that. Right. And of course, um, on our subscriber side, we've got that it's 17 minutes. Uh, Rich and whoever, whatever media members he was paired with, uh, you know, throwing questions at Cody. And really, you know, Rich... Rich got the majority of the questions in, and uh, the questions from the other guys weren't terrible. So it's a good 17-minute listen uh, that has gotten solid reviews. And, and you're right. Cody was uh, an open book, and I, I don't think it was an accident you were paired with him. I think that was a wink-wink, nudge-nudge thing. And then, of course, the uh, long-awaited Mark pick where, uh, you know, uh, you finally got your picture with Cody. Exactly. So, yep. uh, that was, uh, who's, whose idea was that? Did he remember the shenanigans that he had pulled with us? A little bit. It was a little A, a little bit of B. I, I said, hey, can we get a pick? And he goes, oh, yeah, of course we need to get a pick. And I, and then, like, yeah. so it was kind of an A and a B thing. Like, I, I said, hey, can we do a pick? And he was like, oh, yeah, duh, of course we're going to do one or whatever. So it was kind of a, yeah, it was a little bit of both uh, in that sense. Yeah. So uh, now we are officially co-opted media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, I mean, I saw some people throwing that around in a joking tone, but I mean, you know, I, who are going to be the first people to bury the fuck out of a Cody match if it's terrible? <laughs> he just I buried Starcast for 20 I mean, <laughs> so, so I don't want to hear a word he about that. the fuck out of the convention that offered us a free spot. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's happening 20 minutes from my house. Like, of course, like, no. We so, know that. Yeah. We're transparent. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, and that's, you know, honestly, and, 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 you know, all jokes aside, 
I think that's why, you know, we've had that sort of give and take with Cody for a while. We've had that give and take with with, with guys like Gabe Sapolsky. You know, Lance Archer's a guy that's always in our comments or whatnot. And I think people appreciate that. They don't want to get blow, smoke blown up their ass all the time. They like these guys that are, are willing to tell you what it is, that have strong opinions. And every single one of these guys I've mentioned has all kind of said that. They're like, hey, you know, I respect what you guys do. You bust your ass, you work off, and you're passionate. That's the, the thing I always hear is passion. And that's, you know, whether they're being whether they're being negative about it or positive, they know that you're going to tell them what, what you're thinking. You're not going to you're not going to fake it. You're not going to just say what people think that you want them to say. You're going to say what you actually think. And people respect that more than people that just kind of do the bullshit company line all the time. And, and that's every time I met a wrestler, they've always said that about our website. And, and that's, you know, and it's not just the flagship. It's every, it's our reviews. It's our other podcasts that we have on our network that we're passionate. And we tell it like it is. We nobody sugarcoats a thing. They tell their actual opinion. And you know that when they're saying something was great, that they really enjoyed it. When they said something sucked, they didn't enjoy it. And that's, that's all we ask for. There's been more than a few times when one of our dopey writers buries a killer elite squad match, and then I have to like see the guy at an indie show. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and he reads them. I mean, Archer's a guy who reads them, and uh, you know, and and he'll, and and he'll call us out when we bury his shit. And you know, it is what it is. You know, if it stinks, it stinks. What do you want me to do? Um, but anyway, so that was the uh, that was the. Now, if people want to hear Rich's give and take, uh, that's on the subscriber side. Uh, Five dollar tier for that. I believe that is a $5. Yes, I did put that. Okay. Put on a $5. So, it's at voiceswrestling.com slash Patreon, Joe. You cannot screw it up ever again. That's right. Now, if you've been waiting to, if you're one of the many listeners, because we obviously know the ratio, if you're one of the many listeners who has uh, hesitated to subscribe, uh, might be a good time to give it a shot this month. You jump in this month, you get Rich's interview with Cody, which was very insightful. Um, and of course, I've started the TV reviews every Monday and Thursday. So there's never been more content than, than ever than there is uh, now. Uh, you know, Once we got settled from our various weddings and vacations and mania trips, uh, we've really gotten to a groove on the uh, pace side. This would be a good month to try it out and uh, see if you like it. And uh, if not, you know, uh, you know, take your money back. And if so, stick with us. So, um, so that's a little plug for the uh, subscription side of the service. Now, as far as all in goes, so we've got the, um, the quote press, quote unquote press conference. We've got the media scrum. And I thought it was funny. I'm going to give this one away for free, but you did ask Cody how many tickets he expected to sell. And this was about one hour before tickets went on sale. Yeah. He and looked his- at his watch and said, well, I got about an hour. Yeah. So it was, it was ex- almost exactly an hour until tickets went on sale for those guys. And they, there was like a, a palpable like nervousness in the room for sure. It wasn't like these guys were hooting and hollering and ready to go. Like there was a palpable, like, well, we'll see. Like, we don't know what's, what's ahead for this. The number that came out of his mouth, Rich, was 4,000 tickets. Yes. So the exact was- quote for people that, that 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 didn't see, he said that the business side of him, the the guy that's kind of doing this and putting his money in or whatnot says 4,000. He said the the character on ROH, the guy that comes out with Bernard, the business bear or whatever, he says 10,000. That character, you know, Cody Rhodes, the guy with the big ring, thinks it's 10,000 because he's, he's, he's a cocky right. asshole. Like, he's no doubt we're going to sell those right away. And he said, you know, kind of the, the, the child that has no confidence in himself says like 900. You know, the, the little kid that ha- thinks that, you know, everything he does sucks, he thinks 900. But the 4,000 was what he really said, the, the kind of the the business side cody you know cody runnels the actual person the human being that that's working with matt and nick on the show he says four thousand is, is is kind of what he not not was expecting but sort of the we'll be happy if it's four thousand day one yeah so uh they far exceeded that they did that, <laughs> they did two and a half times that so but that gives you some insight into their mind i mean i don't think anybody expected them to look, I saw very few people thinking they could do the 10 grand and sell the thing out. 
Um, but even the people who thought that they can get there thought maybe it would, they would have to scratch and crawl, including the people that were running the thing. Um, I don't think we really need to analyze, you know, what selling out the building meant, you know, selling out the building in 30 minutes meant because obviously it was just tremendous. I mean, there's no other way to analyze it. It's incredible, totally unexpected. Um, the initial fear was that scalpers bought them all. That proved to be false. Um, you know, still to this point, there's less than a thousand tickets on the second, far less than a thousand tickets. Yeah, I think it's on like the almost 500. It's right around 500 if, so, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was actually the complete opposite. I mean, the secondary market had very little effect on the amount of tickets sold, uh, percentage wise, for a show of this size when you're talking about 10,000 total tickets. So, this was just an incredible response. And my first thought, um, once they had sold it out, was number one, they have to announce a second show at the latest date at the first show. They have to announce a second show. And I don't mean a second show for that weekend. It's too late for that. But there has to be an all-in two. There has to be a follow-up. There just absolutely has to be. And my other thought was, my second thought was, they have to have a stream of this show now and they have to charge people for it. I don't know whether they're going to do it through Twitch, um, make some sort of deal with Ring of Honor or New Japan World. or I, I, or, or, I don't know what, they, but they need to have a stream of this show and they need to charge for it. And they will make a shit ton of money hand over fist by charging for a stream. Um, so number one, do you think that they will attempt to run a second show? Number two, what do you think about charging for a stream? I think they will attempt a second one. I, I don't know if they're going to do it on the night of. I, I, I'm with you that that would, be, that would be a great thing if they came out in the middle of the ring and said, all in number two uh, you know, on this day and at this time. I just think they're going to be so focused on letting that show kind of go off without a hitch that they, they might not announce it then. Right then and there, it might be a thing where a few weeks later, as kind of the dust settles a little bit, that they then announce, okay, are we ready to do this again? Do we really want to go through all this again and, and do it? I just, yeah, I don't know. Get, get, you know, just judging by the, you know, talking to the guys and kind of getting the idea, like, I think they're, I don't want to say exhausted, but there's a lot of work going into this. Like, it's something that they, I don't think, expected it to be as big of a deal as it's been and as, as, as crazy as it's been. So I think they're just going to try to get the show off and then, at a later date, announce an all in two. I, I don't know that you're getting your you know spotlight in the middle of the ring, Cody in the box saying all in number two is you know January nineteenth, you know whatever. You know, I, like I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they will do that. I just don't know that. I, I just think it's going to take a little time. I do think there's absolutely going to be an all in number two. It's, it, it, there's no way this is a one off. Uh, there's definitely going to be a two. And and my bigger question, and I guess we'll get to this here in a little bit, is is does this sort of spurn a completely different thing? Is it not just all in anymore? Is it now just something more, something bigger, something more consistent than just these super shows? And that, that'll be a question maybe we'll get to here in a little bit. Uh, but I'll address your – the second question was what about the – I think they absolutely have to do a stream and charge for stream. Yeah, yeah. So, so that question came up in the press conference, and and they were kind of they're pretty coy about it. They, you know, I I think that Cody said, you know, there's nothing in place right now. We have no plans to stream it right now, but we have talked to people. We do have people, you know, in well, they, they, well, they, they had tickets to sell. Exactly right. They don't want to say just go home and watch it, assholes. Like you know, so no, that's it's it's definitely what it is. I I have I'm assuming they have all. You know, ducks in a row in terms of streaming it on, on, on something like a Twitch or a YouTube Live or something like that. Or I, I'm sure they have it ready. My big question is: Does it become an issue with some of the guys they're booking, and does that now preclude them from booking Wrestler X because it's streaming on this channel or whatnot? Not, you know what I mean? Like, can Twitch yeah. is Twitch makes sense. Yeah, okay. You know, Pentagon and, and and those sort of guys in Phoenix or whatnot are, are sort of tan, you know, tangentially a part of Impact and whatnot. So if they're on Twitch, Twitch will be fine with that, and Impact will be fine with that, I'm sure, because they're on there. But what does you know Janela do? Janela's not on Twitch. He's on this. He's on WWE Live. 
you know, Game Changer Wrestling is on SmartMark Video and at ROH is on their own. Like, that's going to be the thing to navigate there. And that's a, a big issue with like a PWG where people bring it up all the time. Oh, why doesn't PWG stream? Well, a lot of times they don't want to go through the headaches of trying to figure out what the hell they can do and what contractually wrestler X can do. And if this wrestler can appear on this and he can appear on. So that's going to be the big issue is because what they want to book this sort of super show with a lot of different guys from all different necks of the, of the woods and all different kind of companies and whatnot. But if you stream it, it, it be, then you're sort of limited in terms of who you can book and, and, and maybe the things that happen with that. I don't know if they're willing to do that. I don't know if the guys are willing to stick their necks out to the companies and say, hey, just let it go or whatever. Who cares? That's going to be the biggest hurdle because I think they know that streaming is the best idea. I think everybody in the world knows that, of course, you're going to try to stream this. I just don't know that they are going to be willing to do kind of the headaches of it. But I think when, when, it all, when, when push comes to shove, it's going to stream on something. It's going to be on something. It's just going to, I don't know how many headaches are going to be involved in doing that. And I really hope that it's not like, you know, Pentagon and Phoenix cannot appear on the stream and then these guys can and those matches can't. And See, I just hope it's I don't, not weird like that. I think they're smart. I think they had designs on streaming this all along. I don't think they were going to play that hand before the tickets went on sale. Oh, no, of course not. No, that's, And that's, I think that they intentionally booked a show that they can stream. Um, in other words, I you know, either they worked out deals they seem look roh by everything they told you and by everything they told everybody else at at this presser um they see you know roh seems to be on board with them with everything so i don't think they're gonna have a problem with the roh talent that they have on the show i think that they were probably smart enough to book a show that they could stream knowing full well that they were going to stream it all along unless they sold like 2500 tickets out of the gate and then you know they weren't going they're obviously weren't going to announce a stream at that point and and maybe just call off a stream uh, in effort to sell, but now that it's sold out, um, you know, I, I think that, that I mean, I'd be, if they, I'd be stunned if they don't announce a stream. Um, and I also think it, it would be incredibly foolish of them to have not been prepared for that. Um, because that's a whole new revenue stream. Um, you know, it's a $450,000 live gate. They're going to sell a gazillion t-shirts and, um, you know, and, and I, I don't think you leave streaming money on the table. I think you plan for that from the start. Um, but we'll see what happens. They, they haven't said anything, you know, uh, but we still got some time at this point, maybe since the show is hot, they're selling the stream to the highest bidder. I mean, who knows? Maybe you get power bomb involved. Maybe you get uh, Twitch involved. Who knows? You know, I don't know. I'm just, you know, spitballing here, but I think it'd be incredibly foolish not to have a stream. Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of one of the benefits of, of all in and everything that's it's been about is that they can pretty much go to the highest bidder. Like you said, that <laughs> they have all the leverage of like, all right, who wants this? Like if ring of honor says they want it, like, yeah, ring of honor is a part of it and they're, they're a partner in it. But I think that those guys would say, Hey, you know, if Twitch gave us, you know, X amount, we're going to go to Twitch. And I think ring of honor is like, what, you know, and, and that's it. That's what this event is all about. And that's, what's really cool. And I, I wrote a column for voice of wrestling and I know, uh, uh, David Bix's band did a great piece on, on Deadspin as well. And that's one of the fun things about the show is that and, and why it's so there's so much energy around it and why there's probably a big reason why tickets sold as quick as they did is it feels like a very empowering show for wrestlers. Like these dudes, like you said, can shop the streaming to the highest bidder. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and we're here talking about, oh, well, this guy's contractually obligated to this and this guy's contractually, he can do only do this and he can only do this. These guys can do whatever the fuck they want. They can book whoever they want. They can run whatever they want. They can run whatever matches they want. To, they want. They can, everything can kind of be up to them. And that's so cool because we're not used to that in pro wrestling. We're so used to everything being sort of fit into a box and, and this company sort of controlling everything about it. And these guys can do whatever they want. They can have four different streaming companies bid and they go to the highest bidder or whatever, or they go to the bidder that's going to give them the most options. Like, that's great. That's awesome. We don't see that anymore at all in any form of wrestling. Yeah. So uh, they sell 10,000 tickets basically by just announcing what did we know before the tickets went on sale? We knew that Cody would be there. We knew Cody. We knew yeah. that 
the Bucks would be there. We knew that Skrull and Hangman and Omega would be there. We knew that Okada would be there. At the press conference, we learned that Cody would challenge for the NWA World Heavyweight title against maybe Nick Aldis uh, or you know whoever the champion is at that time. Uh, we learned that Rey Mysterio Jr. would be there um, at the press conference. I think I've got everything covered as far yeah, as Tessa, Tessa Blanchard. Yeah, there's, there's your Blanchard, your Joey Janela, some of those other guys like SoCal and – you know, there's kind of your – but no, those guys are not. I mean – Sorry, Joey, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, you know. Eh, I mean, yeah, but, but th- th- that was all announced before we, okay, so we knew all of those names. Then. We knew, yeah, we knew those kind of little, the, the, the kind of the other guys, but yeah, so we knew the Joey and Penelope and, and, and I think SoCal and Censored and, uh, you know, of course, Matt Cross, you know, M-Dog 20, I'm sure moved a, oh, a, right, that's right. a number of tickets on his own as well. But yeah, for, for the lack of a better term, Cody Bucks, Skrull, Omega, Okada, Mysterio, and, and Cody Challenger for the NWA title is what we knew. Right. And, and, and it, so it's not as if people bought tickets blind. Um, one of the misconceptions that people come at me sometimes with, because I'm this big proponent of not buying tickets blind, is, um, look, I just want promotions to announce something. Give me names of people who will be. I don't need all the names. Uh, you know, you don't even necessarily have to give me matches. I think all in, uh, you know, they gave you the, 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 the key contributors to the show. So I don't think uh, they sold uh, they sold these tickets blind. I think people know what they're kind of getting into. They knew the major stars that were going to be there. Um, with that said, I still think it's pretty fucking impressive that they sold this thing out in 30 minutes without anybody knowing a single match. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, Cody's challenger for that, but we don't know his opponent. There's a lot of speculation out there that Nick Aldis will lose the title by then. Uh, maybe to Flip Gordon, which would be Flip Gordon's way of backdooring onto the show to pay off the storyline that they're not allowing him to be on the show that we all know he's going to be on. Um, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, maybe another, uh, you know, a, a, a bigger name, you know, beats all this at some point. Who knows? At this point, you don't really need it. You already sold the tickets. But um, but that's pretty impressive. Not a, We didn't know a single match. There's not one match set in stone. Uh, and they sold all 10,000 of these tickets. That is that to me, um, you know, on top of everything else, again, is very impressive and a credit to them. Um, do you think that there will be imitators that attempt similar shows? Maybe not in buildings this large, but, um, you know, do you think that there's disgruntled WWE talent looking at this and saying, shit, I either want to hop on this bandwagon or, you know, my contract's up in 18 months or six months or 10 months and, and I could do what they're doing. I could do what Cody's. Do you think, do you think we're going to see copycat attempts at what all in is done? I yes and no. It's kind of a weird, like, I, I think that there are definitely people that, that are probably looking at this and going, Oh shit. Like those guys did it. I can't believe it. They've sort of shown the power that we have and the power that wrestlers have and, and the powers. But I think we're talking about a very special case here in terms of the Bucks and and in terms of Cody. And I think more than anything, the Bucks in a lot of ways, because those are guys who for years now have bucked the trend of, of go to WWE, make your name, you know, go to Winter Park, Florida, go to NXT, do your thing. They for years have just said, fuck that. We're going to do our own thing and sell a bunch of T-shirts. And that's how we're going to get by. And that's how we're going to make money. And we're going to, you know, create, you know, virally, you know, really build our, our names up and really do that. And, and, and kind of decide our own fates and decide where we're going to go and what we're going to do or whatnot. And, and, and it's been followed by a lot of other guys as well. Cody obviously followed that template to, to, to much success and, and guys have sort of followed in, in, you know, since then as well. Kenny Omega is, is, is not necessarily the same level as that because obviously he's pretty, he's, you know, obviously huge in new Japan and, and was huge in Japan before, but you know, he's kind of another guy who, who, 
from the outside doesn't look like he needs everybody can kind of do things on his own or whatnot. So I think that there are definitely people that say, Hey, I can do that. If those people actually can do that. And if they're, they have the power to do that and, 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 and kind of the savviness and the market uh, awareness to do it. I, I don't know that that's, I think the bucks are very special in that sense. And we've been talking about it for years. As long as this podcast has gone, been going on, we've been talking about the bucks doing things differently than everybody wanted them to. People have always said, you got to wrestle like this. You have to do this. You have to do it. And they've always said, fuck that. We're going to do our own thing. and We're going to be successful with it. And <laughs> I mean, they've, they've done that. And now they've kind of created a template. People can follow that now. And people can use that template sort of in their own way. Like if, if there's a Neville type, if there's a Cesaro type, if there's guys like that that then say, hey, fuck it, I can do this. But it takes a real, I, I don't know, the, the books are very special in that sense. So I think there are going to be people that are probably jealous about it. I think there are people that look at that and go, oh, shit, I can do that. Or, or there's some things I can do here. I don't know if they're going to be able to emulate this exact same thing that the Bucks have been able to do. I, I, I just think the Bucks are very special in that sense. And I think Cody is very special in that sense, too, because he, you know, we, we, we've talked about it. We talked about this when he, when he got his release in WWE, that there was a rough patch there, that he had a pretty high price tag and he was getting booked at, you know, NEW and he was getting booked at these, you know, little spot shows here and there. But there was no buzz about him. There was nothing with him. It was just like this guy that was just kind of on his own path and like, what are you doing? And we laughed at the list. The list was very ambitious, and we laughed at it. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. You're going to face Pentagon and all that sort of stuff. Okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And he busted his ass. I mean, there, there's a certain grind that you have to do. There's a certain desire to get on a plane and, and go to Ring of Honor and get on a plane and go to Japan and get on a plane and go to this press conference and then drive. To, I mean, there's there's a grind that's involved with it that I don't know that everybody necessarily has. And I think the Bucks have that this was, and the Cody's this, this was years in the making. Right. That, that's what I mean. I just don't think one day, you know, Name a Rusev, Rusev can't walk out. Right, yeah, Rusev is going to quit and say "fuck off," and I'm announcing a show in Los Angeles at the, you know, or San Francisco yeah. at the Cow Palace in December, and we're going to send ten thousand. Like, no, you got to build. It. There has to be a certain, and the Bucks have done that through T-shirts, through being the elite YouTube channel, through just social media in general, through the way that they've wrestled, through every interview they've done, they've cultivated and they built up this sort of audience that respects that these guys do it their own way that they don't live by any one standard that they don't you know follow the guidance of one company or one man or whatever that they do whatever the fuck they want and they're successful at whatever they want and and people have told them time and time again to change this and do this and do this and they just say fuck off we're gonna do it our way so there's years that you have to kind of build that up a little bit cody has done it much quicker than the bucks but i think he's followed their template and sort of saddled himself with them as well which i'm not saying that negatively i'm saying he found the best two guys to say hey i'm with these dudes because those guys have, have spent so many years cultivating that audience. So I, 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 there, there's potential for it. I think more than anything, what, what, what the selling out right away shows is, is just that workers do have power and stuff. And that, that wrestlers do have their, their, their sort of power in a sense, which is cool because it will upset the apple cart a little bit. I don't know what it's going to be. As I said in the column that I did for for the website, voicewrestling.com, I, there, I don't know what the future is going to bring. I don't know if they go on there and say, we're announcing a new promotion or we're announcing all in number two or you know this sort of thing. I don't know what the future holds and I don't know if they know what the future holds, but I think it, it, it now gives us a path towards that. We now see that, okay, the, the, the status quo has been shaken up a little bit. The, 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 you know, we've upset the apple cart. Things are a little bit different now. We will always look at this moment and go, okay, this happened and then this happened. So now I don't know what this is going to be. I don't know what that next step is going to be, but we've definitely seen something different here because they're doing something that has not been done in years. It hasn't been done since really 1994 when the world, when worlds collide show. And even that is kind of a very special case. In a lot of ways, you got to go back to the '80s. You know, you know, world class championship wrestling to find another company that was able to kind of do this sort of stuff and and, and do it well. But something different is going to occur at this night. I mean, something different after Sunday. We're in a different world. What that world is going to be and what it's going to sort of look like, I don't know yet. And I don't know if anybody knows quite yet. But I feel we've we've definitely had a transformative event 
But now what follows in there, I, I, I don't know. If that is, like you said, copycats. If that is all in the promotion. If that's it, all in two through five. I, I don't know what it is, but something definitely has, has changed after Sunday, after they've proven I, they've been able to do. I think you're more likely to see people... There are definitely people watching this in WWE talent. Um, I think you're more likely to see talent try to hop on board with these guys than try yeah, to duplicate so what too. they've done. I, I 100% agree. And, I think that more will be these guys and, and and these guys sort of presenting to those guys, hey, look, we are we are the the wrestlers wrestling promotion. Like come, we are with you. We understand you. You know, come to us and we will let you do whatever. That's that's where I really think it's going to go. I, I think it's yeah. going to be less Rusev produce show and more Rusev joins all in type thing. Right. You know, you know. Right. For sure. And there's a lot of conjecture out there too that the Bucks now who are clearly at the height of their drawing power would be best served to sign with NXT. And I find that preposterous. I, I'm, that's floating around out there. I find that preposterous. I find it absurd. This would be the worst time for any of these guys, you know, to go crawling to WWE. You milk this baby until it's dry. I mean, why on earth would you would you sign now if you haven't to this point? Um, you know, you, you know, you you keep this thing going until all in four can only sell 3,500 tickets. Then you, then when you know, and you and you're not selling anymore, your dopey t-shirts, that's when you take WWE's money. You don't take it now. I mean, so I, that I don't understand. If the bucks were to go to WWE now, they're, they're, they're not half as smart as we thought they were. I mean, that'd be fo- completely foolish. Um, now, look, I, I expect all of these guys to get overtures from WWE. I mean, WWE would love to snuff this out. Um, they love to bring in these guys who are now, you know, we, we, I mean, we all knew it, but now they're proven, you know, draws on a whole nother level. Um, I'm, I'm sure they'd love to bring them in that, but I can't see that happening. I mean, do you agree with that? I do. Yeah, no. And, and, and again, like Cody, you know, what he says might be one thing, but he, he explicitly told me in that interview that like people keep asking, oh, well, is this just a way to get back to WWE? And he said, I'm having too much fun doing this. I don't want to exactly, go back to WWE. Exactly. Right All these guys are having so much fun. They're calling their own shots and now they're making a shit ton of money. What's the incentive to go back to the, to the machine? I mean, the, the like you said, the t-shirt sales. Think of the fucking t-shirt sales on this weekend. Uh, they they cannot print enough. And they're gonna they're gonna sacrifice that to go move to an apartment in Winter Park, Florida, and do hip toss class. Yeah, I what? no <laughs> no they would. I never. mean, even even if even if they all went straight to the main roster, it, it's it's why why now would it be advantageous for them to go to the machine? When they're having all this fun and making money anyway, a couple more bucks. Maybe they make a couple more bucks. No pun intended. Uh, you know, maybe they they go right into main event programs. I mean, I guess you can make that argument, but not now. Not now. You milk this thing dry. At least I would anyway. I mean, I I, I can't see the argument. Um, you know, for 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 going now if you're the Bucks, but um, but yeah, I I think that you're more likely to see guys try to try to latch onto them. I mean, if I'm if I'm Daniel Bryan, who, by the way, still has not signed a new contract with WWE and his contract expires in, what, four months? Um, you know, I'm keeping a very close eye on this. Um, you know, if, if I'm some other people who aren't being used well, um, I'm keeping a close eye on this. Uh, you know, because, they, like you said, there there is now there, – there, look, Ring of Honor continues to set records. We're going to talk about it later. They just set another record. With War of the World Weekend, the most attended War of the Worlds Weekend in the four-year history—is it four years? 2014, right? 14, 15, um, five years. Five four, years. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So they've, they've done this for five years and this was, this broke the attendance record for war of the worlds. Every time you turn around, ROH is breaking an attendance record. Um, you know, so it's, it's like, there are places, new Japan, we're going to talk about them in a little while. They've got a new president. They continue to, they've sold out the minion in a scary fast amount of time. I mean, if you're a, a, a quality pro wrestler and you have some name value, um, there are some places now where you can go to make some money and, uh, and, and, and maybe get treated a little better than maybe are now and, and, and all of those sorts of things. And, um, you know, I think that will be the ripple effect from this more than a bunch of copycat shows. I think copycat shows would fail um, for the reasons that we just talked about. This was years in the making. This wasn't just on a whim. This took years of building up stock and uh, and building up the Bullet Club profile, and and now you know with being and and being the elite and Bullet Club running their own angles to get to this point, you know, and 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 you can't just quit WWE and 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 like you said, run a produce show in six months and expect to have the same kind of success. Now, let me ask you: This is an interesting question. I haven't seen anybody examine. If they start running more all-in shows, or they you know carve out their own indie promotion. At what point does this stop being this independent spirit? At at some point, can it get so big that it no longer has the cachet of being sort of this independent thing, this rage against the machine thing, and it sort of becomes its own machine or becomes part of the machine? Can you see that happening? Oh, of course. Because because some of the appeal to this is that it's it's a counterculture event. Yeah, I've always said the us versus them, and people have sort of construed that as being anti-WWE, and I I don't think this event is anti-WWE at all. I think it's pro-wrestler. Pro-pro-wrestler is what I sort of said in the column. I think it's it it has a tinge maybe of anti-WWE, but it's more or less like anti-establishment more so that whether WWE is that establishment or or years of wrestling establishment it's it's that it's it's we're we're doing it without that sort of establishment but yeah of course it's inevitable that, that after all in seven it's gonna be like all right like you guys are just a promotion that runs all the time and like these dudes you know there's always gonna be that it's, it's, it happens with any music artist that you talk to you know they they come up through the underground they sign the record label and then it's like oh well now you're just kind of a part of the machine and and they know that and i think there will be a time when that that comes and and maybe these guys just say, all right, now it's time to go to WWE or whatever. Now we've done it. We've we've proven that we can do it. But now we sort of, yeah, but I, I think that's inevitable. I think anybody, you're in a dream world because at, at a certain point, it ceases to be, like you said, it ceases to be the rallying cry of of, of the, 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 the unlistened to masses. You know what I mean? It, it, it ceases to be that when you become something consistent, when you always, when you're selling 10,000 seats every single you know few months or whatever, you know, like, I don't know what the, again, like, I don't know what that future is going to be, but no, it's, it's inevitably going to become that at a certain point. Like this is fun because it's the first one and maybe the second one would be cool if they do that or the few ones after this, but it, it's going to eventually stop becoming that rage against the machine thing. And it's going to become part of the machine, which is, Whatever. I mean, I guess if it's competition, if it's just legit, you know, big picture competition to, to, to WWE or whatever in North America, I guess that's fine, too. I think everybody's kind of OK with that. If you're a WWE fan, you should be absolutely OK with that as well. Like you shouldn't want there not to be competition. You should actually want there to be competition. So I don't know if it becomes that. That's that's cool. But, yeah, I think at a certain point very soon, too, it's going to become not a Rage Against the Machine thing and more whatever, whatever you want to kind of qualify it as. It's just a part of of the processing landscape and not, you know, necessarily this rallying cry that it is right now. Here are the signs you need to look for. If you want to look for early signs that they might have designs on doing something bigger than running a show once a year. Okay. Number one, they've got to get away from the new Japan trademarks. That means bullet club. I believe uh, well, bullet club for sure. And I believe the elite are bullet club trademarks. I'm not positive on the elite. 
Bullet Club 100% is a bullet. I is a, thought is a the movie. elite is their own thing, but I, I could be wrong. Let me, I, I'll try to look it up real quick. But yeah, so you, they've got to, if they start pivoting away from Bullet Club branding on everything and they start branding their own thing, uh, which, what, which might be what the elite is, they may have planted these seeds a year ago when they started the elite, but I, you know, I, I don't have the answer to that. Pivoting away from other companies' trademarks, though, is my point here. If you see them start to do that, those uh, could be signs. The other thing is the Bucks have their contracts coming up, which is why there's that conjecture I talked about of them potentially signing with WWE, which I cannot see it happening. Cody has his contract coming up, and I'm talking about the Ring of Honor contracts now. The Young Bucks and Cody's Ring of Honor contracts are coming due soon. If you start seeing these guys, Cody, uh, Young Bucks, Marty Skrull, who just re-signed a Ring of Honor deal. Um, if you see these guys letting their Ring of Honor deals lapse and not re-signing with Ring of Honor, that could be another sign that they may be planning their own thing because they can't be under contract to other wrestling organizations. They can't be using other companies' trademarks if they truly want to branch out and create their own thing. Uh, so those are the signs I would look for. Did you find anything on the elite trademarks or no? I, I'm, I'm trying to look at kind of the history of it. Yeah, it's it's hard to nail down exactly. I think that the elite is kind of its own deal. I, I think that they can probably prove that the elite existed before because I think uh, in a lot of the, like the Wikipedia pages mentions that they kind of talked about the themselves as the elite even back in DDT when when they both met each other back in like 2008 or whatever. So there's a possibility that that they could who Coda and Kenny. No, no, no. Uh, like Kenny and, and and the Bucks. Oh, that they had. You know, when when Omega did his first tour with DDT, the Bucks were there. You know, with the oh, Dragon okay. promotion, and they were friends. They met and and did stuff and PWG and whatnot. So I think they might be able to prove that the Elite maybe is something that's not necessarily New Japan centric. But okay. I mean, the Bull Club obviously is. I mean, the Bull Club we know one hundred percent. That that you get that my point is, here though. That they've got to get away from other companies' trademarks, and they right. and they they can't be under contract to other companies if they're going to do their own thing. So if, if you're if you're looking for clues, I think those are the first things you look for. Uh, um, otherwise, you know, if they want to do this show once a year, now I, you know, I, I, if I'm New Japan, I'm annoyed. I, I mean, I know that you asked the question directly. To Cody, I know that uh, it's been discussed in other places, but if I'm New Japan, I'm annoyed because I think there's no question that this show siphoned tickets away from the Cow Palace. There's no question. And we talked about that last week and the week before. You had what? What did we count? Seven opportunities to see New Japan talent in the United States slash Canada over uh, this spring and summer from the four War of the World shows, which all drew very well. The All In Show, the Cow Palace Show, and the show in, in in Florida that Kenny Omega is co-promoting with New Japan. Seven opportunities, and that's seven. You know, if there was, if if Cow Palace was it, they probably, I know, they would have sold more tickets. And I think the All In Show put the biggest dent into the Cow Palace Show. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we know people on our own website that were choosing between the two and decided yeah. I'll go to all in instead. Like, I mean, that that's again, like that's a small sample size of just the people, but there were quite a few on our site that were like, ah, uh, you know, it was kind of between the Cow Palace and, and all in, and I decided all in. And it's like, I'm sure they're not alone. I'm sure if just our sample size of our, you know, 20, 30, you know, people that, 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 you know, work on the site or whatever, if, if five of them said that, I, I'm positive there are many more that did the same thing. And why wouldn't you? If you had, everybody's got a finite amount of time off. Everybody's got a finite amount of money. If you were going to go to the Cow Palace and see something that you've kind of seen before, you know, you've seen it maybe if you went to Long Beach or whatever, you know, there's the CEO thing that we're going to talk about. We're doing some coverage on the website as well about the, the, the kind of the Kenny Omega produce thing that he's doing with New Japan or whatever. That's not selling well at all either. 
in a very similar way because I think this all in is like everybody's looking at that and going, all right, well, look, if if I have all these choices of shows I'm going to go to, this one looks the coolest. I'm going to this one. Listen, I, I, I'd be annoyed if I'm New Japan. And if I'm New Japan, they're crazy for letting Okada work it. Now, look, I know it's like, I don't know. Maybe New Japan doesn't want to annoy Omega. Maybe they don't want to annoy the Bucks or Cody Rose or whatever. But I, I think they're nuts for letting Okada work that show when they had a show coming up around the same time period that they have to sell tickets for. You know, Okada didn't even work the Ring of Honor shows this year. So they may run into that issue later on, especially with New Japan with the new president now, where they say, now hold on a minute. We don't want our talent working all these random shows all over the place when we're trying to draw. So I think that's something else uh, people need to look out for. Here's the other thing we don't know, though, and something uh, I would have asked if I was there is New Japan and Ring of Honor getting a taste? I would love to know the answer to that. Because if New Japan and Ring of Honor are getting a taste of this show, that makes sense why they seemingly are, are backing it and behind it so much. Now, if New Japan's getting a taste, all right, all bets are off. I can see why they're letting Okada and some of their other contracted talent work the show. But if New Japan's not getting a piece of this thing, they're fucking nuts for letting Okada work it. I would have never let Okada work the show. You know, it's all shits and giggles until they start making your money. And, you know, maybe this will be an eye-opener then, assuming they're not getting a piece. They say, hey, now hold on a second. We can't have, you know, these guys running their own show and, and you know, and then we've got, you know, 4,000 people in the Cow Palace when we're trying to run shows. In the United- but then again, we've also heard uh, that maybe running shows in the United States is something that New Japan's going to pump the brakes on a little bit. So, and now with the new president, it, it's all up in the air. So who knows? But to me, that's another interesting aspect. Okada working this show, New Japan allowing it while New Japan is struggling to sell tickets in San Francisco. Yeah, no, it's definitely the juxtaposition of, of them having as much trouble as they are selling those tickets. And we're saying trouble in a relative sense. Like, I mean, we, we I think we all kind of agree that once the Dominion thing that they're probably going to do all right. But yeah, I mean, all in sells out in 20 minutes and the Cow Palace is still at, you know, whatever, four or 5,000 or whatnot. Yeah. So, uh, and the CEO thing that New Japan is actually getting a part of, I, I imagine, because their, their branding's all over it. That thing's selling really badly. I mean, that thing's it's, not the right. And that's... And that's an official New Japan show now. It, we weren't sure, but now it's on the official New Japan website yeah, right. listed on the schedule. So this is an in-canon New Japan show, and they can't sell a ticket. But why the hell would they when you've got all-in, people who just went to War of the Worlds, and people going to the Cow Palace? That's like the seventh-string show. So, I, you know, I totally understand. They, they, New Japan is definitely here's – the, here's what's weird. New Japan is oversaturated in North America this summer, and they're only running one show. (laughs) You know, they got to get that shit under control. If they're serious about running in the United States, they got to control that shit. Okay? You know, they're going to work with Ring of Honor. That's a given. Or maybe this new guy doesn't want to work with Ring of Honor. I don't know. But, you know, you got to corral this shit. You got to say, no, Okada, you cannot work your buddy's show. You got to be all in with us. You know, they got to control this stuff. They got to tell Kenny Omega, look, I know you're a video game geek, but we can't run a second show in the United States at your dopey video game convention. We're oversaturating the market here. And I think that's what we've seen. It's really amazing. We've got market oversaturation of New Japan, and they've only got one show to show for it. I'd love to know if they're getting a taste of all in. I would love to know the answer to that question. Yeah, I, uh, it's it's an interesting question. Yeah, I don't know that I got any answers. Uh, I mean, I didn't ask it directly. I mean, I asked what they thought about it. Um, and again, like you 
listen to the entire interview at patreon.com slash voices wrestling. But I think um, he did say that, like, I, I think the answer, if I, I haven't listened back to it um, in a few days, but I think one of the answers was uh, New Japan is supportive, but they have no idea what the hell it is. Which right. to me, when Cody says that, that means that they don't, you know, I don't right. think that means they're getting they didn't give it. it much. That means they didn't give it much thought. They right. just, they, ah. He said, hey, we're doing this thing. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah, nobody cares. Maybe and, it's and enough, he and you know. he kind of said to point blank range when I said, "Oh, what about a guy like Okada?" And he said, "Well, Okada's you know forever indebted to 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 the Matt Jackson or whatever to the I, I forget what he said, but he said for whatever reason we mentioned it to him and and he came to them and said, "I want to be on the show." That Okada right. came to them and said, "I want to be on the show." And I suppose if Okada goes to his bosses in New Japan as their biggest star or whatever and says, "Hey, right. look, I want to do this favor for Nick Jackson because he took me on rides in Orlando when I was a young boy in TNA." <laughs> right, right, right. I don't know if that's the dead, but I mean it might be. Well, I mean, that's where they, that's where they met and that's where they became friends. You know, it's like, so then maybe new Japan says, Hey, listen, you know, you're, you're helping us break all kinds of revenue records. You're the biggest, your art, you know, <laughs> you know what I was just going to say, Rich, I was going to say you're arguably the biggest star in the history of our country. That's going to piss some people. Oh my God. Are you uh, God damn it? Joe, and, 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 it's still going to make people mad. Even just you alluding to the fact hey, that you listen, have said it. Yeah. We got numbers that can kind of put them in that conversation now, but that's a talk for another day. And maybe they say, Hey, you know what? You go do what you want. You know, we're gonna take care of you. I don't know, but um, well, I, th- I think it plays into what all in is, and the, the, like I said, the kind of the power of these guys, of these power brokers of wrestling, realizing, hey, wait a minute, like I'm fucking Okada, I could just do whatever the fuck I want. You guys, you're gonna fire me? You're really gonna fire me, Okada, yeah. right now? Oh, okay, not just about. So these guys are kind of, you know, maybe in a way flexing their muscles a little bit. I mean, um, the leverage that Cody and the Bucks have after this weekend now over Ring of Honor is. Oh, for, yeah, and they did already, and now, and I, mean, now they, I mean, they, I was there. They're like, uh, you know, Marty, which is the best, the best thing ever about the backstage, and is is Marty Scroll the villain? You know what I mean? He's always his character. Yeah. He's by, guys, guys, we have to get to Ring of Honor. We're late. Like, you know, Marty's right. there. He's got his bags ready, his coats on. He's like, guys, we gotta go. It's really far away. Like, you know, he's yeah. worried. The, and the Bucks and Cody, and the, they're like, ah, whatever. Who the fuck cares? Like, they didn't care. I was like, hey, do you need to go? Nah, we got all the time in the world. Who cares? Like, they already had the leverage, and then an hour later. They sold 10,000 tickets to their produce show. You know what I mean? Like they have yeah. all the fucking leverage. What is Joe Coff going to tell them that they're not going to say, all right, bud, cool. So that's kind of, but again, like that's kind of cool. It's unique. Like Okada can tell the new Japan guys, Hey, I'm going to this thing and, and I'm just doing it. Whatever the bucks and Cody. Hey, we're just doing this, whatever. And it's like, it, it, it's interesting. Like you said, new Japan should be mad. Ring of honor should be mad, but you know, that these are their guys. These are guys that are, are producing business growth for them they hold the leverage and it's it's unique in that sense there isn't this idea that that you know i have to just do what the company line is i have to do what my company tells me in any other era okada would have just not you know been told by new japan no you can't go and go okay all right whatever all right yeah you're right there has to be at least a fee associated with booking okada right i mean i I would imagine i don't know though i don't know i mean I, i i would i would assume they have to get some cut they got to be getting a taste in some some regard. I mean, even if they're not, they're getting played here, um, you know. And they're and they're getting bit on the back end in San Francisco. But again, after Dominion, they announced some kind of killer lineup. That's that's a topic we can tackle for another day. And I think we're we're drifting way uh, into a lot of different conjecture here, <laughs> yeah. and we're running out of time. We got to get to some other topics. But uh, first, Rich. Well, first of all, have you said everything you need to say about All In? I think I got it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I got my tickets. I'm ready to go. Um excited fun and yeah it should be a pretty cool weekend uh yeah that's that's about all i got for all in so and then i got another question for you yes do you ever shower brush your teeth or try to make your hair look presentable joe i do then i've got good news for you oh thank god okay dollar shave club 
has a lot of stuff to help you out. Have you heard about this? I, ha- you know, I've, I've, I, I've heard rumors. I've heard whispers, but I, I think you're going to tell me the, you're going to give me the do- the lowdown on, on on the Dollar Shave Club. Is that correct? If you haven't heard about this, you're a bit simple because I tell you every week. <laughs> oh, but- I, you know, I just don't retain it, Joe. You know, when this show's over, I, I try to get all this out of my head immediately. Like I, th- this is the worst part of my week, and I try to let it go. Like Vince McMahon, I try to the bad, the negative things. I try to remove them from my brain immediately. So that's I, I, I don't remember. So I apologize if if, if I don't remember this. But do tell well, me, then do tell me about. Let this. me refresh your memory. Please Dollar please. Shave Club is more than just razors. They deliver everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. You name it, shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even a wipe that'll leave your tushy feeling tingly clean. We, of course, are huge fans of the One Wipe Charlies, but also the Amber and Lavender Calming Body Cleanser, which I used to clean my body just today. Good luck finding a product that great at the store. All of Dollar Shave Club's products are made with top shelf ingredients that won't break your budget. You will feel the difference we promise. Plus, shipping is free with your membership. And here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products. For just five bucks, you can get their daily essential starter set. What is that, you ask? This set comes with the body cleanser, the One Wipe Charlies, which are the, the world-famous shave butter. The copy's changing right before my eyes. This is very crazy. And their best razor, the razor Joe Lanza uses, the Six Blade Executive. Keep the blades coming for just a few bucks more a month. Then you can add in the shampoo, the toothpaste, anything else you need. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. So this is a business-heavy episode of this show. Uh, we're going to have to uh, break down uh, the economics of several different companies on this episode, and we're going to pivot to WWE. Uh, Rich, NBC Universal is backing up the old Brinks truck as uh, they like to say on the streets. Do they say that on the streets? Uh, the Brinks truck, they do. I think that's what the kids say, yeah, for sure. Kids are always talking about Brinks trucks, <laughs> uh, from where, at least on my streets. Uh, anyway, it appears as though, as of the time of this recording, that WWE may be getting up to, and I think that's key verbiage, up to three times as much as they got on their previous deal to air Monday Night Raw on NBC Universal. I am going to tell our listeners why, if this comes to fruition, and it looks like it will, this is bad for wrestling fans. There's nothing good about this for anyone listening to this show or anyone who's a fan of pro wrestling. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, and SmackDown will be available to the highest bidder, meaning that SmackDown, NBC Universal does not want SmackDown. Uh, the price tag would have been higher for both shows. Uh, so this means, the, in theory, theoretically, SmackDown can go to a competing network, uh, whoever wants it at this point. So, uh, Rich, what do you make of all this? The stock went up about 10 bucks uh, when this uh, when this news sort of broke. It's not official yet. This is not any kind of official right, we, should, we should say that as, as of this recording, we're recording this on the 17th. It was reported the, the, yesterday. Uh, by the Hollywood Reporter. I think it's Matthew Baloney. Is that the name? I don't know how to pronounce Bel- Belani. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm going to go with Baloney. Let's go with Baloney, even though it's definitely not Baloney. Uh, reported that NBC Universal had reached the deal. So yeah, that's all. Just he's the only one that's had it so far. I don't think anybody else has been able to confirm it or 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 double confirm it or anyone said, I'm confirming this report or I can now officially say like no one has, it, it's been this guy and this guy only. But I mean, it's a pretty good source and it's it, there seems to be some pretty big facts and you know what i mean like it seems to be pretty yeah. pretty i don't know the, the number is kind of shocking um initially that three times figure it seems very shocking 
to me, but I think the up two is a good caveat that you mentioned as well. I think people are looking at three times and immediately just assuming it's that, but up to three times leaves a little bit of room. So it might be kind of a handshake thing where it says, okay, we're going to go with you guys, but now it's kind of ironing out the numbers a little bit. I, I don't know exactly that, but yeah, we should say that that, that this is only the, on the 17th and, and the day prior it was reported about the hell it reported, but that's all we have so far in terms of, uh, of things about it. But yeah, there's nothing official quite yet. Yeah, I mean, if you have the stock, you should sell it. I well, mean, after today, after, yeah, right now you should sell it because it is it is very happened, high right now. But sell, this happened please. at the last negotiation. The stock spiked um, and then um, quickly plummeted back down. Um, you know, because th- this is a huge cash windfall that no one was expecting for the company. The current contract expires, I think, October of 2019. Yeah, correct. Uh, before the suit all kick in, the stock's going to level back down. I mean, it's not going to it's not going to go up from here off of this news. It's at the peak of it, you know, unless you know Baloney's got it wrong and they're actually getting more money than what he thinks they're getting, then you know, the stock will shoot up again. Which again uh, goes to the point that I've made on Twitter a million times and I've made on this show. Um, don't ever think. And and we'll get into this a bit deeper. That um, you know the, the 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 booking or the product you see on television has any correlation to the stock price. I mean, it is it, it is it is almost it is virtually meaningless uh, to say that you know to, to 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 draw any correlation between oh well Roman Reigns' push must be working. Look at the stock. Well, you don't know understand how the stock works then. If, well, if you believe works. <laughs> it's it's yeah the stock and we've been screaming that the stock price is is totally speculative based on the television rights deal they're expected to get and here's your proof you know you know it was at forty dollars and then the television right now there's rumors that the rights deal is way higher than anyone expected up to three times higher than uh, than the previous deal and and then the stock shot up another ten bucks to hit fifty it's all based on Wall Street bullshit it has almost nothing to do with the on-screen product that you're seeing or booking decisions or – I mean that, that stuff has such – has virtually no effect. Now, it could have long-term effect if they continue to run off their customer base because the storylines are horrendous and they're not picking the right stars and all these sorts of things. There can be a long-term effect where if they continue to siphon off viewers, eventually these television executives might say, look, you guys are down to a 0.9 rating. You can't draw any advertising dollars as it is because it's dopey wrestling. Your next television deal, you're not getting shit, right? Or, or, or you can't find a television partner or you have to move everything to the network. And then some sort of extreme instance like that, yeah, then your bad creative can lead to destruction. And that's sort of the warnings that a lot of smart people are starting to put out there. Look, maybe on a day-in, day-out basis, the bad creative and the fact that the ratings are flat or moving downward or the fact that the house shows aren't hot – aren't necessarily affecting the stock, uh, the stock price on a day-in, day-out basis because they're getting a billion dollars from the Saudis and they're getting these great television deals. But if those television deals go away as a result of your horrendous booking and the fact that you haven't made a star in two decades, now you're in trouble because the stock market is very fickle. Okay, and if those and look, if these if if, if there was a uh, an enormous um, controversy that hit the company tomorrow and NBC Universal pulled out or uh, somebody new took over at, at NBC Universal and they've got a, a new CEO or whatever and he's just not a fan of wrestling like what happened to WCW. All of this can change in an instant and almost none of it has to do with you know the creative direction of the company. So I'm just so tired of hearing those arguments and uh, and people talking about those things. The stock is totally based on Wall Street bullshit. And 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 virtually nothing more. Um, Rich, 
It's also, not to interrupt, but it's also a dangerous kind of path to go down because I think one of the great examples is WCW in, in 1998. I mean, that, that company was firing on all cylinders business-wise. It was, it was incredible. Ted Turner back. They were getting extra TV with Thunder. The merchandise was falling off the shelves, but creatively it was a disaster. It was falling apart. And by 1999, midway through 1999, and even the beginning of 1999, it was fine. It was still business-wise. It was great, but you could tell that creatively it was just a disaster. And one by one, little by little, started losing a little bit of money off the top end. And then the, the execs or the suits at, at, at Turner just said, what the fuck are we doing with this thing? Get this out of here. Get, we're done. And new guy yeah, took over. Ted Turner was yeah. gone. And the guy said, what the fuck is this? No, no, we don't yeah. need this. And, and said, didn't have Ted Turner anymore. Jamie Kellner took over. The ratings weren't what they were. Now, if if the company had been run well and the ratings were at their you know previous peaks, maybe Jamie Kellner says, "Yeah, I don't like this wrestling thing, but it makes us a lot of money. Maybe he keeps it around. Who knows?" So that's the danger you run into with your lousy creative. The problem, though, with this 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 new deal, if it does come to fruition the way it is, this is bad news for every wrestling fan listening uh, to this show. And there's a couple different reasons why it's bad news. Number one, and I thought. Um, you know, this one's obvious. I mean, Raw is probably still going to be three hours because you're paying that kind of money for it. You're going to want that extra money of the advertising on the other end, right? Oh, so sure, we're yeah. all no so doubt. we're going to be stuck with three-hour Raws, uh, you know, moving well past 2019, which I think nobody in their right mind wants, okay? Uh, the other th- reason this is bad for everybody, and this sort of relates to the all-in conversation, the gap just continues to widen. Look, We know nobody's anywhere close to WWE as it is, but this just, I mean, they're just so far ahead of everybody that they've lapped them a thousand times and the gap is even bigger. These are not the people you want to have more money if you want wrestling as a whole to be healthy. They're already hoarding talent. They're already, you know, not utilizing any of that talent. Uh, And it's just, as a wrestling fan, unless you're a big fan of knowing that, uh, Stephanie McMahon is now worth more money. I mean, why would you be happy about this? There, there's nothing. There's nothing that helps you as a wrestling fan. And I know this that George Barrios can now, you know, get another plane. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, if that's if makes you happy, then, then that's good. That's great. But and, and I thought that that the, the third and most important reason why this is horrible for this is not good news for wrestling fans. And you could argue that's horrible news for wrestling fans. And I thought Dave laid this out in the Observer this week. Dave Meltzer laid this out in the Observer this week perfectly. And it's something that myself and Rich have been ranting about on this show forever. This deal gives the company less incentive to give a shit about storylines that make sense and creating stars and producing good television. The incentive is now in just creating more television to sell to Minutes, more networks. Hours. Yeah. If you listen to the conference calls and I know that uh, the WrestleNomics guys, you know, Brandon Howard and, and Chris have talked about this. One of the big talking points over the last half a year for every time Barrios gets on there is we've produced, you know, X amount of hours of television every single week. Like that's not, you know, we're doing this, this is this, this is this, you know, a lot of numbers have been sort of negated over over the last few months, but what, a number that's been propped up even more is the amount of content they have. We produce this much every single week. Not how good is it, not how many people are buying tickets, but we produce 150 hours of television. You know what I mean? Like whatever Which it is. Which they can then sell around the world. Right, right. It's all about creating more content, not good content. This is why we always tell you. Yeah, it's qual- it's quantity over quality for sure. Quantity over quality, and you don't have to worry about. It's why we've been screaming for a year. Why it's so boring to analyze the creative in this company because it does not fucking matter. On a, on a, in, a, in a micro sense, on a day in day out basis, on a show in show out basis, the creative doesn't matter. Creating stars doesn't matter. 
Vince McMahon, it, now more than ever, can just vanity book. If he's dead set on pushing Roman Reigns because he has a homoerotic fixation on Roman Reigns, then he can keep doing it. There's no negative effect. They're still backing up fucking dump trucks full of money to pour on this guy's desk. Because it's just content, content, content. This deal is, is not good if you're a wrestling fan. This is bad news that we received today if you are a wrestling fan. Because this doesn't incentivize them to improve their product. What will incentivize them to improve their product is if these executives say, hey, look, your ratings are flat. SmackDown did their lowest rating ever two weeks in a row or whatever it was. Uh, maybe not their lowest, whatever it was. They, they, they reached new lows two weeks in a row. And listen, you guys got to start producing ratings or we're not paying you anymore. That's when you'll see a creative spark lit under this company and they'll start pushing the, pe- the, the right people. They'll start trying to push people that connect with the audience. Instead of Vince McMahon, just vanity booking, which is what you're getting because it does not fucking matter. Another great point that Meltzer made that we never brought up, that we never thought of, was now the company kind of has to book in reverse. Television yeah, is, is what great. matters. This is great. This, this, is in, this is in this week's Observer, and I never thought about this. I, I you know, For all the shit that Dave gave, I read that, and I went, holy shit. He's right. He's 100% right. Like They... They should. I don't know if they will, but they should completely. Their their entire booking should just flip flop immediately right now. Yeah, and and you'll yeah. lay it out. Lay out exactly what he said in the Observer. Dave's argument is that all of the top matches and the and the key stuff and all of the things that you want to draw viewers to for should now just be presented on the television shows because that's where you're deriving all of your the majority of your. That's what's keeping the company ahead of it so far ahead and making them money hand over fist. It's not the network. The network only has 1.5 million subscribers. So why would you build everything to pay-per-views that are only drawing 1.5 million subscribers at $9.99 a month instead of building everything towards television where you're making $11 billion a year starting in 2019? Now, I would counter to what Dave said, and this is why. I would continue to build towards the pay-per-views, and I would continue to put all of the key stuff on the network. Here's why. The network, the television executives have proven that they're moronic and will continue to pay for a product that's getting less popular and not more popular. So let them. What the WWE has to worry about, in my opinion, is the big picture, the macro picture, the future. Eventually, it'd be advantageous to them to move everything to their fucking network and not have to rely on anyone. But the only way they can get to that point is to continue to build the network and build their subscriber base. And in order to do that, you have to give people reasons to subscribe to the network. So if they start giving everything away on Raw, why should that guy who's on the fence about the network buy it? Why should the guy who doesn't give a fuck about NXT, doesn't care about 205 Live, okay? Why would he have any reason to buy the network if he's not even getting killer pay-per-view shows, if he's getting everything he needs to get on Raw? I still think you need to draw people, slowly draw people away from TV into buying in on your network. Because I'll tell you what, look at the, look at the they, they could be in a predicament right now. NBC Universal doesn't want SmackDown. Well, if the network had 7 million subscribers, you can move SmackDown to the network. You can't do that now. So I think there's still reason to build towards the pay-per-views. But, but Dave's right. I mean, you know, in reality, and it may just be habit, and they, they, they won't be able to break that habit. But, but in reality, if, if, I mean, you know, and, and the other thing, the, the television bubble eventually is going to burst. We thought maybe it would be on this cycle. That hasn't proven to be the case. But 
eventually the television bubble will burst. So you don't want to completely change the way you book your wrestling and then have to do it again in 10 years or whatever, whatever the case may be. So what do you think about that? Would you continue as is, or do you prescribe to the Dave theory where it's like, well, shit, you got to put your most important stuff on TV now. Well, I, I, if, if I'm them, if I'm WWE, if I'm whatever the business decision makers in WWE, I still do what we're doing because we get all the profit from the network. You know what I mean? Like I want as many people to watch the network as I can and maximize that amount of people because that's all to me. I'm getting all of that money. But if I was a shrewd, you know, a, a savvy, you know, uh, one of these NBCU guys, I would say, wait, wait, well, hold on. Why is all this big stuff happening on this? You know, it, I wouldn't just give these guys these money and go, yeah, do whatever right. you want. I would look at this and go, hey, hold on a minute. Hold on. Why are you why are you giving, you know, the TV show is this, but the big stuff, the thing that you're building to is on your network? No, 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 not anymore. No, that's got to get moved to here. We're paying you the big bucks. You're giving us the top tier stuff because everybody has no incentive to do that unless they're being told to. Their incentive is to make as much money as possible. And that makes the way they do that is by getting the TV deal, which is set money or whatever, and then building towards the pay-per-views and getting people to buy the network. And then they're getting that money on the top of the the, the TV deal. But if I'm NBCU, if I'm one of these TV execs, I go, oh, no, 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 no. Like you're giving us this. We need more. We need to drive these rates. Things need to be improved. These things have to be, you know, I don't know what it is exactly. It might just be as simple as watching the TV and go, wait, why are you building towards this thing on some other network? No, no, no. You're building towards this. It'd be like the NBA building, you know, TNT promoting the NBA and then the NBA finals being on the NBA app. You know what I mean? Like, that'd be ridiculous. They wouldn't do that. They would say, no, 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 (laughs) no. You know, we're showing the Western Conference finals because we want the NBA finals too. No, bullshit. That's coming to our network. You know, the right. Super Bowl, you know, uh, CBS playing all the football playoffs and then the Super Bowl's on NFL's app. No, fuck that. No, we're yeah. paying for that. You're coming to, you know, you're coming with us to to this. So that's sort of where, where, where you kind of get there, where if I'm NBCU, if I'm that, I, WWE has no incentive to do that. WWE should absolutely 100% right. still book the old way that they're booking. But if I'm NBCU and, and if they're really worried about whatever, I mean, WWE, I don't know if they would be worried if they sign the deal and it's whatever, but I would be worried if I'm NBCU and go, no, 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 you're not building toward the shit on your own. You're giving us, you're maximizing the ratings. You're maximizing the exactly. amount of time people are watching stuff on our networks, on our things. You just said the key, maximize the rate. NBCU wouldn't turn around and say, we want the Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, Matt. They're not going to be that ingrained in it. What they're going to say is, you need to pick your ratings up, which is basically telling them, we need the Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns match on Raw instead of putting it behind our paywall. Um, but until these networks put their feet to the fire, um, you know that you're never going to see that. You know, it, it, it's the complete opposite. They're kissing their asses and they're giving them more money, which is is kind of baffling to me. Yeah, it's a great business I mean, deal for WWE. I mean, it's, they can, it's it's like I said, I just gave those examples of the NBA. I mean, they could never get away with that if the NBA just went, ah, you know what, the finals are going to be on our our app. But yeah, you guys can do the uh, you know all the regular season, the West Conference Finals and stuff. That'd be cool. Like, I mean, that'd be unheard of that they would do that. I, I just think it's a, su- a supply and demand issue why WWE is potentially getting this big deal because there's just less and less properties out there available, and these networks are, are you know these network execs they're panicking. Um, you know, because it's not like WWE programming is lighting the world on fire. And we all know that it draws lower ad rates than anything else that draws the same rating. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, this is, but getting back to my original point, the reason this deal is bad for everybody listening and every wrestling fan is they're insulated from, from a bad product. This is the proof. They're totally, we've talked about this for a year. They're totally insulated from, from a bad product mattering. They can do whatever the hell they want. They can continue to push the brand more than the wrestlers because it's obvious it's the brand that's making them the most money. You know, 
So, um, it, right, it's this like, deal wasn't signed because of any one central figure. This deal is oh, not. No, oh, you guys have. I mean, there's there's a case, maybe a, a small case, be made about a Ronda Rousey or whatnot, but Brock maybe, but maybe, but I think that's very loose case. I don't think there is. This is well, we well, want well, McMahon, well, I'll tell you what, Vince McMahon thinks so because you know, re-signing Brock had everything to do with finalizing a television deal. Sure. Um. So I mean, you know, he Vince sees uh, a value in Brock that that. I, you know, I don't think a lot of other people do, and I don't know whether he's right or wrong because it's hard to analyze now in the network era. It'd be very easy pre-network to analyze Brock's worth because we could see what his, especially with Brock, because he appear, because he appears so infrequently. So we we can compare what his pay-per-views do compared to pay-per-views where he's not around. We don't we don't have that any we don't have we can't do that anymore in the network era. Um, but Vince McMahon feels very strongly that Brock is a huge difference maker. And maybe even if it's just as simple as he is the one superstar name that network executives are going to recognize that we can present to them on a fucking, you know, PowerPoint when we're trying to sell our shit. I, I don't know. Um, but this is bad news if you're a wrestling fan. You know, they still have no incentive to create stars or improve their product. What's the incentive? Their incentive is to make sure that WWE branding continues to to uh, to to be at the forefront and to create more hours of content. That's their incentive. And the more spread thin that they are, as we know, the worse that it gets. So it, it, there's really no reason to celebrate this deal if you're a wrestling fan that wants a good product out right. of this company, especially if you're a stockholder, maybe, you know yeah, what I mean? Like stockholder. Um, but if you're George Berrios, if you're George Berrios, yeah, great. You know, <laughs> if you're, yeah, but if you're a disgruntled WWE fan that thinks the product isn't very good, this isn't going to make it any better. If you're a wrestling fan that loves wrestling, this, this hurts the entirety of the wrestling business. The only people that this helps are the stockholders in the McMahon family and George Barrios, people like that doesn't help anybody. is isn't good for anybody else. This is bad news. I saw this as bad news for me. As a wrestling fan, this is bad news. This doesn't help me in any way. So I, you know, I that, that's my take on all of this anyway. From, from you know, our listeners' point of view, I don't think any of them should be happy about a deal like this. I yeah, want to I mean, see, I want to see WWE struggle a little so they're motivated to improve. I want to see their feet to the fire. We're never going to see them challenged. You know. But I want to see them struggle a little. I want to see the stock go down. That's when you'll see them put some effort into some things. That's when you'll see some things change. There's no incentive now. They're getting confirmation that the bullshit that they're farting out is going to make them more money. Why the fuck would they change anything? Vince can sit there and go, oh, I could fucking, I could continue to see this Roman thing through. What's the difference? So this is it's bad news. I, I one thing that I've seen from people, and I think there, there's there's kind of a fallacy in it too, that people assume that okay, if more money's coming into the company, that means more money for the wrestlers. The wrestlers will be paid more and that sort of stuff. And and I agree that that sounds good on its face, but as we kind of laid out a little bit earlier, without true competition, those wrestlers don't have that leverage. There isn't the way to sort of say, okay, this company is giving me this. We talked about earlier with the all-in guys. They can get the maximum amount on the streaming service because they can put Twitch up against Power Realm, up against WWN, up against ROH. You know what I mean? Like they can they can go to YouTube and, and, and Twitch and all these different companies and say, okay, who's going to give me the best offer? You're really, WWE is going to, always give everybody the best offer, but it might not be the best offer for that wrestler, but it's going to be the best offer for 
that wrestler from WWE because there's just not going to be another company that can even get in the same stratosphere as them. So yeah, the wrestlers, you know, might make a little bit more, but you're, you're really, I, I don't know what world you live in where you think that corporations that make more money then give that money to their employers. Like what, what universe do you live in? I mean, that's well, not what's going to happen. Why is, why, why is WWE paying the wrestlers more money good for fans anyway? So I, they can collect more talent and, and they can collect dust. Well, people try to, people try to put it, people try to, cause, cause because of social media, we break in that barrier down and now they root for a Finn Balor to make the most of his dreams and make the most of his money and stuff. And, and all that sort of stuff. yeah, but I don't, I'm not motivated by that as a fan. I want to turn on my TV and be entertained. I don't really give a shit if Finn Balor can, you know, buy a house. It, it doesn't, I mean, good for wrestling, him. Wrestling as a whole, including WWE would improve if they struggle, if, if they, if they were forced to, not employ so many wrestlers if they were forced to incentivize employing convince people to stay right if wrestlers had other options outside the company that were realistic so that they can play their hand against the company that's what improves wrestling as a whole right it improves every industry remove wrestling from the equation don't even think of it as wrestling think of it as a company in a different particular field like WWE is not a monopoly but, you know, you can look at the history of monopolies and stuff and it's not, you know, it doesn't work out well for anybody but the people on top of the monopoly. Like that's w- all yeah, WWE having the ability to outbid everybody else and collect any piece of talent they like isn't a good thing. No, for anybody. If you're a fan, right. it's a horrible thing. Right. Anti Lack of competition in a marketplace is bad in any business field, whether it's wrestling, whether it's phone service, whether it's cable, whether it's computer, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. Ignore the wrestling part. Just think of it as a because this is big business now. We're talking huge business. Yeah. This is not, I mean, people are like, oh, you can give me your individual arguments, but but the overall business scope of, of, of hundreds of years of business says that one company destroying any and all competition immediately is not good for anybody but that company and the people at the top of that company. And then, yeah, I mean, that's if that's who you're rooting for, then yeah, then this is great. This is all wonderful. But no, I mean, this is, you know, not, not good for, for anybody, really, in a lot of ways. I mean, unless if you're really a big cheerleader, knock yourself out, but it's, it's not something you should be really rooting for in, in any way. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if the dollar amounts being bandied about are legit. Um, but yeah, I, I I think we were all a little bit stunned at the initial reports. We'll see how it plays out. If you have the stock, sell it. For God's sake, sell it um, as soon as you possibly can. And um, you know, and then hopefully the deal doesn't come in higher than people because then you're all going to want to kill me because the stock's going to shoot up another ten bucks if it's actually a better deal. Um, but, but yeah, what, what's your instinct as far as SmackDown? Um, you know, do you think, um, see my, my thing all along when they loaded up the SmackDown roster, uh, at the roster split, I thought that they were trying to juice up SmackDown to try to improve the ratings because they knew that this, these negotiations were coming up and, and, you know, maybe they'd have an easier sell if the show was doing well, the show has actually gone backwards and is not doing well at all. I don't think that's any fault of the talent. I think that the SmackDown show itself just hasn't been good. Um, you know, they're they're obviously not utilizing their best asset and Daniel Bryan. People could argue with me all day on Twitter and forums and everything else, but they are not utilizing Daniel Bryan to the fullest capacity. They had a red hot Daniel Bryan uh, coming back from a long awaited return and have done jack shit with the guy. I mean, they should have just shot him straight to the fucking top. And, uh, and and taking advantage of, you know, of how hot his return was. Now he's just another guy. Dave Meltzer is 100% right. Daniel Bryan is just another guy. 
Um, sure, they could heat him up again, but you're never – you can't recreate the Daniel Bryan is back buzz that they had that they totally farted away. Um, so, you know, SmackDown. I mean, the ratings are struggling. Does it surprise you that an NBC is like, we want Raw. We don't want the redheaded stepchild. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. And I wonder, I, I it, it's probably not. But but when that news came out and I was talking with a few people, I think, I, I do wonder if maybe WWE is keeping SmackDown in the back pocket. I think they're going to let it go to a high bidder. I, I, I think they'll, if Fox wants it or whatever, whoever wants it. But I wonder if it is advantageous for WWE to say, hey, let's put SmackDown on the network and really make it a network only property and try to prop up a little bit of, of our network in that sense. But my worry then is that people are just going to go, okay, good. I can't I watch SmackDown. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, no, I can't see it because why, why not? Even if you get a bad deal for SmackDown, you know, $1 is better than no dollars. I, I right. Can't. Right. I, I agree. Yeah. If, if you think that there's enough of a buzz around SmackDown that people are going to pay money to watch it on the network, but, yeah, Again, they, like you said, no. if SmackDown was good, if there was a lot of good stuff, right. you could play that card, but it's not. So they can really only go to whatever the bidder is. I was thinking, you know, in my mind, that would be the ideal thing. I, if I, was them. Saying, I think in other words, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. I think it would be a huge gamble. What you're saying is gamble. Put SmackDown on a network thinking that that can gain, you know, if if 2 million people are watching SmackDown. Right, whatever, maybe, whatever number is watching SmackDown every week goes, oh, shit, if I want to continue watching this show – I got to get that network. And we know that they barely convert any of those people like that. We look at the conversion right. rate of, of, of viewers to, to network subscribers and it's very low. It's not great, but yeah, if they can convert that and those people then go shit, if I want to watch SmackDown, I got to watch on the network. Well, I got to get the network, but I think all those 2 million people would just go, Oh, all right, whatever. Like, yeah, I, it's way too much of a gamble in my mind. I think if someone offers you $150 million a year or whatever to, to you know, whether it's Fox or whoever, sure. then you take it. Because I don't think you're. There's no shot. How are you making that much back on the network? No, you're not. You're not. You're not. You know. So. So yeah. No, I. I can't see that happening. But um. But yeah. So that. That's another interesting facet of this that they didn't want the entire package. And then of course, people. That's just the United States. They sell all these shows internationally, and and not just Raw and SmackDown. You know, whether it's main event or two hundred five live or whatever the fuck. You know, you cut these all these little deals in fucking Bangladesh and fucking Egypt and fucking, you know, uh, Bulgaria and the UK. And uh, that's actually a bigger deal. But you, you get the idea. They all fucking add up when you're selling all these dopey shows all over the world. Uh, so this is why more content, more content, more content is the concentration, not better content, because no one is holding them accountable for failing to create stars. And Roman Reigns shit in the bed, and 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 ratings in a holding. No one holds them accountable for it. So you know, think of you at your own job. If you're not held accountable for something, you're not putting any fucking effort into it. You're gonna blow that thing off, and you're gonna concentrate on the shit that you know your boss is gonna give you shit for, or you're gonna concentrate on the shit that you know is gonna earn you a raise. You know, so it, it, it makes sense. That's what we'll need to make this company better for, for fans. This, this is not going to make things better for fans. No. And like you said, it really eliminates any sort of discussion that we can have anymore about, you know what I mean? Like of, of their business and ratings and, and you know, attendance and creative. It's just like, it doesn't matter. Why, why am I breaking any of that down? They're going to cash a check. They don't fucking care. What's it matter <laughs> who the woman's champion is? What's no, it, it matter? What's yeah. it matter who the world champion is? What, what does any of it matter? It's, it's, it's Vince McMahon 
playing with his real life wrestling figures. He's he's just he's a vanity booker at this point. Yeah, and, and honestly, good for him that he's gotten to that point. I mean, there was times where it was lean and mean, and then they need and and yeah, whatever. And I mean, every good for him. decision mattered. There were points in it, and it's like, and that's the one thing. You know, everyone thinks that we're just these Vince bashers. We will never bash his business acumen. This is what you want to be. This is incredible. You know, but 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 from a creative standpoint, the product he's lost his way, and maybe it's just because he knows it doesn't fucking matter. But who knows? But yeah, from a business standpoint, you're right. Why would you not want this? Oh no, it's great. No, for them, every it's, it's wrestling company should strive for this model where the brand is so over that it doesn't fucking matter what you do creative because where you're not living and dying by the decisions you make. Because they're certainly not living and dying by the booking decisions they make. They intentionally sabotaged their own WrestleMania main event because they could. In years past, that would have set the company into a fucking tailspin for five years. They did it on purpose. They did it on purpose. Knowing the reaction it would get. WrestleMania. The WrestleMania main event where people paid thousands of dollars to travel from all over the world and thousands of dollars for tickets, they sabotaged that show on purpose because they know all of you dopes will come again. Because no one holds them accountable. You all booed the match. And you're all going to fly to New York next year and go to the show again. So they're going to keep doing it as long as people do that. And they're going to keep not giving a fuck about their television rating and featuring a guy who gets booed out of every building if NBC Universal keeps paying them a gazillion dollars. Until people hold them accountable, nothing will change. They sabotaged WrestleMania on purpose. As this seventy, as this eighty-year-old lunatic continues to to dig his heels in on a guy who just isn't working and never will. Why? Because he can. Because you're going to fill up MetLife Stadium next year for Roman Reigns' main event number five or six, whatever the fuck it is. That's why. Because they've gotten those three letters over and they've gotten the WrestleMania branding over and it's fucking brilliant. They've got their own talent buying into it. Their own talent buys into it. Oh, I have to have a WrestleMania moment. Oh my God, it's WrestleMania. Okay? When WrestleMania 3 was just the next stop on the fucking tour. It happened to be the biggest payday. Now they got they've everyone buying into these to, to these myths to this stuff, including their own talent. It's incredible, and none of this is good for you guys listening because I know the people that listen to this show are not the replica belt crowd that's gonna eat whatever they're fucking spoon fed. That's not you guys. This is bad news for all of you. Not the willfully ignorant belt-wearing crowd that doesn't it, it doesn't matter. What else is there to say? I think one one little funny caveat, and obviously this this will 
as we get the official deal and all that sort of stuff, we'll probably uh, you know, touch on this again a little bit. But one funny thing is uh, our, our uh, one of the great Twitter accounts as well, uh, Words Big Eighties, uh, tweeted out something good earlier. Pl- someone please calculate how much money Vince cost himself selling all that stock to fund Alpha Entertainment. Yeah, yeah, it was sixty-five million dollars. Sixty-five million, unbelievable. <laughs> For his dopey football league that's going to yeah. Which, by the way, did you see the tweets? They're like, hey, where do you want us to put teams? <laughs> like, I know what they're doing. I know, but it's like, there's part of me that, like, is actually, like, the person tweeting that is like, uh, all right, so people really want one in Gainesville. <laughs> really, like, this league is so doomed. <laughs> there's the other league that's already got people. It's already got teams. It's got leagues. So if, if you need any solace, Vince McMahon lost $66 million uh, by selling it to fund whatever the fuck <laughs> the XFL is. <laughs> unbelievable uh all right that's that's that so we'll uh well as you said well once the numbers officially come down we'll we'll but yeah i mean wwe talk from here on out is pretty much worthless i mean what who cares like who fucking cares it's already we've already reached reached that point after backlash i already kind of reached it and i'm kind of there again now it's just like who we've been talking about it for a year though rich in all seriousness it's such a struggle to find out ways to meaningfully analyze this company i mean it might become a point where we just have to say it and go like that match is good that match is bad all right whatever (laughs) move on like it's it's here's the thing the matches aren't even good anymore we talked about that last week there's no high level matches on this main roster and it's like it's like it's gotten to the point where none of the decisions they make really matter that for business so really what you're reduced to is just your fucking opinions on the matches and and it's like and it's your what we're reduced to doing is giving our opinions on the matches and 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 aesthetically what the story and the storylines are so bad that we're never going to praise them so it just it becomes this negative cycle of talking about negative shit because the company fucking stinks and it's very hard to do that on a week-in, week-out basis. So you can push it to hour three, or we can, you know, but, but it's, it's a it's very difficult company to talk about. How can I sit here and break down their world title main events when it doesn't fucking matter? All right, so you ready for uh, New Japan talk? I'm ready. Let's get to that. All right, so Dominion. New Japan announced on Wednesday when we're recording, well, of course, we're recording this on the 17th. As we said Wednesday, which I believe was the uh, the 16th, that their Dominion pay per view June 9th from Osaka Joe Hall has completely sold out, Joe. Osaka Joe Hall, yeah, sorry, real quick, this is from the observer as well. Osaka Joe yeah, Hall can hold upwards of 16,000 people, although the New Japan staging setup, uh, the max capacity is around 13,000. If you listen to the show for many years, we've always kind of touched on this Dominion, a pretty big show. There's been ups and downs in, in terms of the card and whatnot. And one of the big ones, obviously, was the AJ um, one a few years ago, and and that one kind of really spiked. And then there was so there's been like we've had discussions about this almost every year, but that's kind of just so you know, the 13,000 is the max capacity they have. Uh, this would be New Japan's first sellout at Osaka Joe Hall since they began running the annual Dominion show in Osaka beginning in 2015 uh dominion of course will be headlined by uh, uh okada versus omega in a two out of three falls no time limit match uh, also naito versus jericho and uh the in-ring debut of Rey mysterio in new japan for wrestling so uh what do you make of dominion selling out pretty much before anybody was ever expecting it to sell out i mean this was kind of came as a surprise like people were just like oh yeah dominion sold out i was like oh okay, okay all right like that's that's done like that's not even you know we're we're you know weeks out and it's already ready it's already set sold out it's, done it's the Okada Omega match is a is a definitely a drawing match, and uh, Chris Jericho is 
um, I mean, you look at Chris Jericho, and I know this doesn't may not necessarily have a ton of bearing with the Japanese fans, but I think it's interesting that he his new shirt is the number one selling shirt at Hot Topic. He also still has the number five selling shirt at Hot Topic. Um, Chris Jericho is a difference maker. Yeah, and sure. he made he made a difference in the number of New Japan World subscriptions uh, last time around. I think it's interesting to watch to see if that happens again. Um, the, the Jericho Naito match is a drawing match, a, a, a extremely strong underneath drawing match for Okada Omega. And um, the one thing is is uh, should be noted with the raise in ticket prices, this will be um, a, a record gate for New Japan in in this city and in this building as well. So uh, we see Ring of Honor setting records left and right. We see WWE getting a gazillion dollars from NBC. We see um, All In selling out in 30 minutes. And we have New Japan continuing to be on fire as well. Um, you know, uh, from a business perspective, wrestling's doing pretty good, Rich. Yeah, but let me let me continue here. Rip Rogers and Jim Cornette and stuff say about how much it sucks. So go fuck off. Yeah. Old farts. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. Things are doing very well. Yeah, they're doing doing great across the world. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of all we have about Dominion. I mean, I, you know what I mean? Like it's sold out, and it's almost not even it's not even hard for them anymore. It, it's 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 very. I mean, we again like the show's over. We're, we're, this is our last episode ever because I, a lot of this podcast had been like you know from our growing is talking about you know this sort of show of New Japan. And man, they they announce a show and it pretty much sells. It's just like you know, it's they've done a brilliant job with Okada. Yeah, and Naito is an enormous star. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's Omega is a tremendous star at this point. They can plop Tanahashi in there when they need to, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're on a roll and, and the long-term push of Okada into this company icon, into one of the all-time greats has, has worked. Um, now that the record is broken, we can really start seriously considering whether you know he's gonna lose the title during these defenses i think a lot of people think omega can win this um you know so um i think in hindsight we're only five months out it certainly looks like a lot of people overreacted to naito losing at wrestle kingdom um so you know it's it's they, they they're hotter than ever coming off of a finish that was supposedly supposed to set them backwards so um you know, I think if a lot of people were being fair, they would, you know, apologize to Gato, you know, but fat chance. But I think if a lot of people were being fair, they would. Um, they, they they saw this Okada story out and it is, is it has worked out uh, tremendously. So, um, you know, we'll see where we go moving forward. Um, but, you know, this Dominion sell out as quickly as they did. Largest gate in that city, that building of all time for New Japan. Um, you know, and they're well on their way to another record-breaking revenue year. I mean, what else is there to say? I guess it's a good transition into discussing uh, the other New Japan news that broke, which is that they have a new president. Um, so do you want to attempt to pronounce this man's name? Or is should I Medjai? go for it? Is it Medjai? Midji? Mige? Mige? Harold Mige? M-E-I-J? Dutch. I don't know. Do you know how many, do you know any Dutch last names that you can? Do we have any Dutch followers? I'm Harold. I think we're on a first name basis with him. We're on a first name with uh, uh, our boy Kadani, uh, Takahari. Uh, what's what's his first? I don't even know his first name. I know Kadani. He just says, "Call me Takahake, Kadani." Just like Takahake. Watanabe. Just okay, like well, I'm sure Harold will be on a first name basis for us. Like he he won't want us to say his full name. He'll just say Harold. Yeah, we haven't met Harold yet, but we were in on the decision with our good friend Kadani to right. uh, to to appoint the new president and our new fearless leader. But it's not a um, first name basis. It's a one name basis. We're we're a one name basis with Kadani. We are. I'm sure certain. 
on a first name basis or, or a one name basis with Harold. So we're just going to call him Harold. How about that? A lot, of, a lot of interesting things about this guy. He took over Tommy when they were losing money and uh, turned them into a uh, profitable company. That's a toy company. Uh, the, when he um, resigned from that position as CEO, the stock dropped over 10%, something like 11%, which isn't unusual. Um, you know, in business to see a stock drop when a CEO leaves, but um, I, it's still worth noting. It means that the guy uh, knows what the hell he's doing. He's been friends with Kadani for a long time. He speaks 19 different languages. He's lived in Japan. He's uh, English fluent, Japanese fluent. Um, and, and, and he's been doing a lot of talking um, about his vision. Uh, th- a couple of big things that he said is, is he believes that um, he brought up WWE. I mean, I you know they're not even in the same stratosphere, but he's he brought them up straight on and says he wants to challenge them. And he says they have a better product than WWE. He says he has better looking wrestlers. Yeah, than yeah, WWE, here's the exact quote. This, was, this, yeah, is incredible. this is translated by our, our good friend Chris Charlton's at Reason JP uh, on Twitter. He says uh, uh, these are three quotes here. He says the two big factors were whether I wanted to do it and whether there was a potential there in terms of him coming on to New Japan. Uh, the last five to six years, pro wrestling has really grown and lots of concepts have uh, are becoming reality. There is a lot of possibility, I think. Uh, New Japan far exceeds the biggest wrestling company in the world, WWE. The moves, the drama, the talent, even how attractive the talent is. There's a lot of strong points that appeal regardless of age, gender, or other demographics. So the goods part is down. All we have to do is really take off and improve brand awareness and accessibility. And he says, point blank, I want to get to 10 billion yen in sales in three years at least. The Sumo Association pulls in 12 billion in revenue, and that's just domestic. So it'd be a failure if we're not at least at that level. Long term, I want us to trouble WWE. If you look at our product, you will see that's not out of the question. Yeah, I mean, which sounds like crazy talk. We said the same thing when Kadani said it. But what the attractiveness? That's a, they're they're a very attractive roster. Oh, you're talking about the 10 billion yen thing. Not the roster, you dope. Oh, yes. Challenging WWE. Would which, you bang the New Japan roster or the WWE roster? Well, I'm heterosexual, and there's no women in New Japan, um, so I'd go with the WWE roster. Okay, would, well, let's uh, let's let's assume that there are not women. You know, let, let's you know. I have to bang the men from what? This is right. an odd question. It is a very uh, odd question, but it's I think it's important. Am I into it? Would I be into Asian men? Because I'm not really into Asian women, but I'm, I'm, I wonder if I would be into Asian men. Because who, who I can't answer. Why am I even <laughs> seriously trying to answer this? Here's my problem with the WWE roster and a problem I run into with a lot of the women that I've either dated or even in, you know, and now married. Um, they feel like the WWE roster is like excessively wet. <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty wet. Like 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 the one thing. Uh, my wife always says is about Roman Reigns is why is he so wet and why am I supposed to be attracted to that? Right, my mom always, my mom never remembers who, what his name is. She just says the wet guy is how she refers to Roman Reigns, and I know now that that's yeah. who she means. She'll say uh, that one guy, he's creepy, he's always wet, and I'm like Roman Reigns. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. Yeah, he was on there. I don't like him. He's weird. <laughs> like, that's yeah, it, yeah, I'll say to women, yeah, women tend, you know, women and children really like him, but he's so wet. You know, maybe if he was dry, what does he look like when he's dry? You know, so it's like, I, I don't know. It, it, it's a big thing in that company is everyone's always wet. Yeah, they are um, pretty wet. I'm, I'm trying to think of the, like, the hottie. I mean, you got Finn Balor, who obviously the ladies are, are big fans of. And, you know, I, and, and the men. Yeah, Seth Rollins. Good looking dude. 
Uh, Reigns is, is weird. I, I there might be people that are into him, but I, I have trouble with that. I think if you're into like 1980s romance novel covers, <laughs> right? Then Roman Reigns. Otherwise, is it's like that's a lot of the guys though too. Like a Dolph Ziggler would be perfect yeah. in like 1994. Dolph Ziggler is like the hottest man in the world, but it's like now you're just like ah, that guy looks like a weirdo. <laughs> Doesn't quite work. Yeah. Uh, people love Dean Ambrose too. Dean's Dean's popular in the Tumblr world for sure. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. I don't. Uh, I don't know. There's, I think they're two very different. I think it all depends on what you look for in your man. Sure. New Japan's you got, you know, Tanahashi with the with the quaffed hair, and you got Sho and Yo and, and Sonata sitting on a bed debating what coffee he's gonna drink and then he's shirtless. You know what I mean? Like those sort of guys. They're very like Japanese, you know, there's always that sort of idea of them being a little bit more and, and WWE is like you said, romance novel, 80s, muscles, wet, like what do you want? Do you want sort of a sophisticated guy? Do you want like, you know, it's, it's, it's that different. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to describe. I think it all, I don't know if it's going to be a one-on-one comparison with them. So I, I don't know if Harold, I don't know if he's putting all of it into, into context here, but. Well, what I it mean. does tell you, regardless of your opinion on who has the hotter roster, I think what it does tell you is. <laughs> I love that we talked about this for 10 minutes. Now. Is new Japan clearly is going to continue to put an emphasis on what I always say. And it's, it's, it's stars with matinee idol looks, which is clearly what they've, they've pushed good looking guys. I mean, there, there's no question that that's what they've tried to do. And, yeah, Okada and not being that, able to have a girlfriend for, for years because they wanted him to appear to be, you know, the, 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 a guy that you could obtain, you know what I mean? Show and yo have, have a book yeah. out right now of them just shirtless, hanging out, you know, being showing yo and, being you know good looking young dudes just hanging out in the in the city and that's yeah it, it's selling <laughs> they hire and they look for that look i mean they went out and got sonata they didn't get shuji ishikawa you, you know what i mean it's like they 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 new japan clearly and and you know you talk to anyone who's been to shows in japan and it's a you know it's the crowds are 40 50% women uh, it's just they 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 in this era have chosen to push good looking guys and it's like you can see that even this new president you can see that continuing when he's made that a point of emphasis. We have mm-hmm. a, we have an attractive roster. I mean, he yeah, wouldn't bring that up. Yeah, I mean, he had to bring. I mean, it, it wasn't like somebody prompted him to say that. He brought that up on his own, like yeah. very early, like day one of his his employment. He brings up how attractive the roster is. So that's an important thing for them. And 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 one thing to be mentioned as well, our our, our buddy Harold. He uh, he was the guy that actually went to Kidani with the idea of the bears. We see, you know, if you watch a new Japan show yeah. or if you go, you see the 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 Lij Bears, the Okada Bear, and and stuff like that. That was him. I mean, it's obviously it doesn't take a genius to say, hey, you know, sell some bears with their merch. But like those are I mean, you look you pan the crowd and like everybody's got an LIJ bear. You've seen thousands of them as they pan the crowd. And it's a great little, you know, a little thing that a guy from the outside says, hey, this would be a good thing to sell. And it sells like hotcakes. So it, it, it's. Yeah. And I don't think it's a it's happenstance that Kadani, who oversees, you know, the entire Bushi Road operation and removed himself as president of new Japan some time ago. And there was a guy in between Kidani and, 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 and Harold Meage that was, that was doing the job that's out. Um, I don't think it's any coincidence. And I don't think it's happenstance that, um, you know, he found somebody who has lived all over the world and understands uh, markets other than the Japanese market. Um, it all fits into Kidani's plans to really expand the company beyond Japan. The other thing that uh, B edge had, had brought up and, I really hope there's not some weird pronunciation Dutch print where it's like we're do- we're totally hacking this, but it's um, Meyer or something. And we're like, there's no yeah, yeah, exactly. what the fuck? Yeah. Like, um, no, a J is actually R E T. You're like, what? No, come on. Right. But the other interesting thing he brought up was um, actually I just lost my train of thought. 
brought up something. this radio we do here. I just said this <laughs> is the greatest wrestling podcast. <laughs> Pay us for this shit. Pay us. We just got done spending 10 minutes talking and about who's your pronunciation best. talk. Uh, and, 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 you know, and I lost my train paid. of thought. <laughs> paid for this oh, I, I remember the point I was going to make. He, okay. He talked about how he wants to ingrain New Japan pro wrestling as part of the culture, which sounds very similar to what the things that Vince McMahon always says and the business model that they've chased after. And he brought up sushi and Mount Fiji as his two comparison points. He says when people come to Japan, he wants them to think of sushi, Mount Fiji, and New Japan pro wrestling, which again sounds ultra ambitious, but – uh, you know, it's 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 good to see them thinking big in that regard. Yeah, they yeah, no, wants to improve. And the other thing, wanting to improve the television contract situation, which yes, is which obviously is enormous. Yeah, you don't understand how horrible that is. There, they 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 air what is it like Saturday at like two eight? It's like some ridiculous. Thirty in the like, morning or something. Yeah, like it's like that. old ECW when I used to like sneak up to my bedroom and watch ECW on you know some local access thing. Like that's what they're at. I mean, it, it, which it's which I don't really think terrible. people give them enough credit for the growth that they've gotten right. with terrible tv put them on in prime time again like all of these eras that they're constantly compared to which they're now surpassing in revenues and they're doing it while airing at 2 30 in the morning okay if this guy can get them on in a decent time slot which he's talked about he look he's got all the right ideas you know i really i really believe he has all the right ideas He's coming in. He's talking sense. I think Kadani's probably had this guy in the works for years. He's been they, they're friends going back many years. Yeah, and he left his role. We, we should mention he left his role at, at, at Tommy like last year. So it, it was quite a while yeah. that he left. So it was probably something where he signed a little no non disclosure. Could you know, work, you know, for, could work for anybody for a year or whatever. But had probably been in meetings with Kadani and backdoor things. Like yeah. I imagine, like nobody. I think that never probably, just happens. You don't just stumble into a presidency of a of a company. It just no, and happen. it probably goes back further than that. I sure. mean, he's probably been trying pestering this guy, saying, "Hey, come on, you know, I want you to run." this new branch that we have you know he goes to kickboxing shows with him he goes to sumo shows with him uh the guy's a fan of kickboxing and sumo that's not drastically different than pro wrestling i like that he refers to it as martial arts i thought that was kind of funny how he's like you know i everyone he says everyone understands martial arts in other words what he's saying is everyone understands what fights are you know one guy being better he's saying all of the right things he has a solid business history he seems to be saying uh, he seems to have, uh, you know, he, he has the right idea. So, um, you know, I, I, everything I've read, everything I've heard him say, I haven't had one red flag yet where I've said, oh, you know, I don't know. This guy might be in over his head or what the fuck does he think he's talking about? Or this is a bad idea. He's been on the right path with everything that I've heard him say and read him say, and, and everything that I've read that he said. So, um, so I don't know. Uh, we'll see if there's any immediate changes, if there's anything aesthetic wise that they do different. Um, he's talked about trying to reach out and find new sponsors, worldwide sponsors with an emphasis on worldwide. Um, so, you know, uh, we'll see what happens with this dude. But, um, and, and one know. thing I, I didn't want to interrupt earlier, but one thing that you had mentioned is sort of like you said, the Mount, Mount Fuji, this, this is sushi, like things are synonymous. And we know uh, a couple of years ago that they made it. I, I believe Kanani said that, that one of the things that they wanted to do is make New Japan more in the mainstream of Japan, be on more TV right. shows, be on sitcoms, be on commercials, be on video games and whatnot. And they've done that. You know, there's yeah. been a lot. Of, I mean, there are all over the place. Makabe is showing up on cooking shows and shit like, you know, New Japan stars around the new Yakuza video game and stuff like guys are, are, are in there and they're 
and, and that's been a big thing about it. Tanahashi's in that movie, the whatever the hell the the rock movie. It was like some weird prehistoric, whatever the fuck it was. It had a funny name. I forget what it was, but like yeah, yeah. little stuff like that. And it's been like little dumb things like that. But again, like that's a big part of it. And and hopefully this guy now can then take him to that next level and say, okay, now we've done that. We've done the little things. We've gotten it to to this level. Now let's get to the you know a next step up. And and I have pretty pretty good confidence too because it's not like you need to really upset the apple cart that much you don't have to really change all that much that things are going up there's an upward trajectory so all you need to do is get them to that next up as long as you just don't fail miserably and change everything like but why would you do that you know what i mean like this guy i doubt is coming in here to say all right well fuck this this is changing that's you know like why would you it's not like a you know in in previous eras of new japan where a presidency you know a guy would come in and just completely flip-flop everything that they had done and decide okay now we're gonna do it this way i mean he might do that, but I, I really doubt it. It doesn't seem like that's sort of his idea. And, and he's a businessman. He's not a wrestling guy. You know what I mean? It's not a Noki taking over and saying, well, this is what I like. This is a business guy. This guy likes money. This guy likes revenue for his company. That's what he's looking at more, first and foremost. So I don't yeah. think anybody has any real reason to go, oh, no, he's going to change this and he's going to change that. I don't think he's going to change the, the 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 nuts and bolts of, of the actual wrestling, but I think he's going to change a lot about how they market the wrestling, the shirts that yeah. come out, the, the people that they sell tickets to, how they sell tickets, where they sell tickets to, you know, stuff like that I think is going to change. You know, the merchandise opportunities, the TV deal, like you said, little stuff like that. I, he's not a wrestling guy that's going to come in and say, all right, well, now we need more sumo matches. I like sumo, so let's have sumo matches. Like he might, I don't know, but I really doubt it. I mean, that's that's no, you're not going to see no. Very I, surprising I, if he was that way. He's a the highest guy foremost, and those guys look at revenue and and growth. They don't look at this is the where, where's our growth opportunities. What right. can this we isn't do? a Noki saying, ah, no, I like this. We're going to do this now, and everybody being like, oh, boy, well, he, he, I mean, he he put over the product. I mean, he said right, that exactly. he feels they had the best product in the world, and he feels they have a better product than WWE, which I mean, they do. Um, you know, I, I guess that's in the eye of the beholder. But um, um, so, I mean, it, it's not like he can't. That's what I mean. I don't see red flags. I don't see him saying things like, oh, we need, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like we need a more realistic product or we need a more dynamic entertainment based. product. Then you would those are red flags. You say, OK, well, he wants to change, like you're saying, the nuts and bolts of what they're presenting. He hasn't said anything like that. He says we have a great product. We have a good looking roster. Uh, we just need to market it better and put it more eyes on it and expand. And he, he's it seems like he's confident in what they have and he just wants to find new ways to, um, you know, uh, draw revenue with it and expose it to more eyes, sure, which, right. which, and, and he seems to have a solid history. Um, it's not like, you know, he has this sketchy business history that raises red flags either. He seems to be a guy who has, and, and I, and I, and I, and I think it is a positive that he, you know, my, I raised my eyebrows when I found out he was Dutch, you know what I mean? But then when I read more about him, it was like, Oh, I see what they're doing here. The guy lived in Japan for eight years. He understands the culture. So it's not a big deal that he's not Japanese. And it's a guy with worldly, worldly experience uh, with a good worldwide view. Hey, he's one of the better guys you could choose, you know, in, in yeah. terms of the, the credentials that he has. Worked for Coca-Cola of Japan, worked for a Japanese toy company, somewhere to Kadani, you know, came up through, you know, toys, but right. also was fluent in, in, like you said, 45 different languages. <laughs> We're yeah. joking about that. I forget what it is, but it's, it's, it's a few. I mean, the dude, he's world traveled. He understands. And more importantly, he knows how to do business in other places other than Japan. I right. mean, he, he, you know, so it, it really made more sense the more I read about him. Where at first it was a real eye op- eye ra- eyebrow raiser where I'm like, why would they hire a Dutch? But it really it totally makes sense now. All right, anything more about our buddy Harold, who I'm sure we'll be talking about? You're just afraid to say that last name. Aren't what you? is it, Medjai? I, I think it's not Medjai. That's like Medjai. you're mixing up the let. See, it's M E I J. So I'm going with Me Edge until I'm corrected. Me Edge. Okay. 
That doesn't Dude, sound Dutch at all, though, does it? It doesn't sound Dutch. Would there be a pronunciation? Some, does he have a Wikipedia? He's got to have a Wikipedia. He does, name. but there's no phonetic spelling. I'm looking no at phonetic it. Spell. Uh, nah. I was going to say, if they hired a guy who doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, <laughs> that, would be, that, that, would be that would be a bad idea. Yeah. But no, he, he definitely has a turn. Uh, he definitely has a Wikipedia page. It does oh, not look happen. at this guy. I tell you what, he doesn't look like I thought he would. You know what he looks like, Rich? He looks like a savvy negotiator. Yeah, he does. No, he looks like I wouldn't want to get in the room with him. He's going to. Of course, that conversation was before you hit the. <laughs> right. Nobody knows about that. But, but he looks like a savvy negotiator for sure. So uh, he looks like a guy where if he was sitting on the other end of the table, you might be a little shook. He looks like a he looks like a villain in like an Indiana Jones movie or something. Yeah, no, he definitely looks like a '90s movie villain. Did I just call him a Nazi? I think I just um, called him. You a did. Yeah, I was gonna go. Let's with not different. go with an Indiana Jones movie. Let's let's yeah. call him a villain from a from a uh, uh, a Jason Statham movie. Is that fair? He's yeah, like the taken. leader. He is one of the guys that has taken yes. one of um, one of Liam Nielsen's uh, children. But, but he's not. But he's not the hench- he's like the leader. He's not one of the henchmen. He's no, like no, no. The he guy. sits at the desk and tells the other guys what to do, and then you know, sort of like, mm-hmm. ah, yes, you've come for your child. I understand. You're right. Liam Neeson or Jason Statham kills this man at the end of the movie. <laughs> exactly. That's, right. Right. That's right. what he is you know uh so there you go that's harold Miedge, which is what we're going to go with isn't our friend mort dutch or did i get that wrong last oh, time don't get it wrong again no i forget uh you don't want to he got very upset last time when you got it wrong because you said he was from belgium correct oh he's dutch though right i got it right this time so he would know how to pronounce harold Miedge. I don't Look, remember, I love him. I get these countries confused you know? <laughs> i know but he got very upset the last time he did Almost not want to positive he's dutch uh he's from Denmark, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, he's Dutch. I'm not gonna. I don't want to get him upset. That's Dutch. Denmark is Dutch. Hey, come on. I'm not that unworldly. Denmark is the Netherlands, which is Dutch. Uh, is it? Yeah, it's oh, Danish. I think. I think Dutch is, is Dutch. the Netherlands, sir. But Denmark, hey, Denmark. Denmark. Denmark and the Netherlands aren't the same thing. Oh Lord, no, they're they're very different. Wait, no, wait a minute. Denmark- we should just stop. We got we have to stop before you get more people <laughs> upset. No, you just need to stop. No, the Dutch people are from the Netherlands. All got right, all right, right. All right, you're confusing me now. <laughs> so, the Netherlands are Dutch people, correct? Like yeah. if you're from the, the Dutch. Are people that are from the Netherlands, in a sense, right? Danish are from Denmark. They're like they're, they're whatever the ethnic group that's most prominent in the Netherlands are referred to as Dutch people. You, you, you Harold is Dutch. He is from the Netherlands. He looks like he does whatever. I got Netherlands is Dutch. Denmark is Danish. Like if you're from Denmark, you're Danish, correct? Um, yes, yeah. That that's where that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. that's where I got confused. Because so we're starting about Brother Mort is Danish. Okay, so I think he's, he called him Swedish last time, and he got very upset by that. I don't think I called him Swedish. I think I called him I, from. I think I said Belgium. Belgium is well. Oh, I that's said. right. You called him Belgium, and he was like, "We are not Belgium." Or whatever. No, I think he said, "As long as you didn't call me a Swede." Nobody likes Swedes. I think is what he said. Yeah. Well, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah nobody likes a Swede. That's true. <laughs> I feel um, like I don't know. But, I don't know any Swedes, so I can't really say. I like IKEA. IKEA's kind of cool. What about Swede Hansen? <laughs> Does he count? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, is he he's a Swede. He's probably from Texas or something. Where's I would assume. Sweet Hanson. Right? Let's find out here. Um, Sweet Hanson. He is from East Orange, New Jersey. So yeah. Yeah. 
What a man. Jeez. Uh, the picture that they have on his Wikipedia, go go look at, try to guess how old he is in the picture. Nobody is more manly than Sweenhead. I mean, <laughs> the most, he is probably 27 in this photo, but he looks like 45 and he worked at a steel mill for like. <laughs> Sweet Hanson, oh my god, that picture. He's you're, you're right. That he's probably you're right. He's probably in his late 20s. He looks like he's 50, right? But it's like, like he's had eight kids. He works 12 hour days at a, at the railroad yard or whatever. And then he goes right to the bar because he's not gonna go home to the old lady. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't want to deal with his wife, so he goes straight to the bar, you know, and he doesn't want to go home to his Always old lady scotch. and his yeah, just drinks scotch, comes home, <laughs> yells at her, drinks- and then falls asleep. Yeah. He either drinks the most expensive scotch at the bar or the cheapest beer at the bar. There's no in between. Like it's one or the other. Um, he's got a six pack of like basically rubbing alcohol in his refrigerator at home. I mean, that's that's what Sweet Hansen is. And yes, uh, I I don't know. He was probably. I mean, didn't he team with Rip Hawk? I believe like, he did. I believe he did with Rip Hawk. Okay. Yeah. He was probably a guy who was built. Where was he? He had to be built from Texas. He had to be. Um, there's no way he was billed from East Orange, New Jersey. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. But, but he was uh, a WWE. He was a WWF guy, right? Or well, he went to the Carolinas later as well, right? He's like, you know, a territory well, guy. Like a territory guy, you know. Yeah. You know. Back when when Rip Rogers says that you never uh, you never spoke up, you just did what you know your boss told you. You know, <laughs> when you moved <laughs> to different territories on like a fucking yeah. monthly basis, you know, you always yeah. just did whatever the boss told you. You know, right? I so, like that Sweet Hansen's nickname was Big. <laughs> Big sweet Hanson, yeah. That's, Big that's... sweet Hanson, yeah. So um, now that we offended all of Europe, um, <laughs> we can look. There was a lot of confusion there, but we got oh, it. Oh, dude, out. he was sixty-one and three in Golden Gloves competition, dude. He would fuck you up, sweet Hanson. Sweet Hanson, oh yeah, yeah, dude. That guy he's got those. He's got the old man strength. He's got the he's got the legitimate skills, and he's got the bar brawler techniques. And just look at him. The guy, the guy looks like the proverbial two-dollar steak. He just looks like that. You know, he probably has hands that are so calloused, you know, he could probably just grab you with his big calloused hand and just crush you to death with his hand. Right. Like people tell the story to even today, like Gerald Briscoe will will take you down and beat you like yeah. he will. He will submit you no matter what, like even though he's whatever old he is or whatever, that that if you take him down once, he, he will he will find you and take you and like that. He nobody, even the strongest guy, he still just has ways because he's just got old man strength. He's just. Got that sweet Hanson definitely. Those dying day would would fuck you up still. I'm sure. New Japan is not booking Sweet Hanson. No, no. Big Japan is booking Sweet Hanson. <laughs> right. Oh, I would love the Sweet Hanson thing. Or you like, uh, I mean? uh, didn't Ver, was it Vern Gagne that like killed one of the guys in his uh, retirement home? Yes. Was that Vern Gagne? Yeah, like Vern Gagne. I'm sure is still like super strong or whatever. Well, is he dead now? I don't know. Well, he's is. dead, Rich. So oh. he might yeah, yeah, but. Uh, Vern died, uh, yeah. Vern. Many years ago, yeah, many years ago. Well, before he died, he would definitely fuck you up, like he did, unfortunately, to that guy. He, he killed some old man in the retirement home. Yeah. He probably thought it was Vince. <laughs> right, taking the territory. Yeah. yeah. You steal my jello, you steal my territory. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, this is for, uh, this is revenge for taking Okerland. And he probably yeah. choked the guy out, thinking it was Vince. Probably, yeah. yeah. Well. I had big plans for Tito Santana, you son of a bitch. You know, and he fucking choked the guy out. That's probably how it went down. This is I don't even know how we transitioned to whatever next time we want to talk about. It's best of the super juniors after I've insulted all of the good people of both the Netherlands and Denmark. Um, but we got it strained out. The Dutch are from the Netherlands. 
the Danish are from Denmark. You have to excuse us. We're American and our education system is terrible. So that's why we don't know any of this stuff. So. Oh, those are – come on now. That was a little confusing. And you're throwing different countries at me. But we – the point is we knew. We got it. We got it. <laughs> we knew. We'll we just make the mistake again, yes. We just had to straighten it out. But we knew. You know what I mean? It's like you know something, but yeah. So, you know, we didn't – it's not like we didn't possess the knowledge. Now – we still don't know where Mort is from. <laughs> so he's no, either he is from Denmark. He is Danish. Okay, so so Mort is Danish. Harold Miege is Dutch. Correct. And no one's from Sweden because fuck Sweden. That's right, because because Morton said nobody wants to be a Swede and nobody wants to associate with Swedes. So well, that's so that you can blame Mort for the Swede right. hate. Um, you know, so because I have nothing personally against the Swedes, I why are you, you know you're always switzerland to bring up another country you're just always afraid i just want to keep my options open man i just want to be able to you know if i need to exile to any country i want to keep everything open you want to exile to sweden I, it looks all right i mean sweden looks all Don't right they have like a 68 percent tax rate in sweden or something like that uh, yeah but they have cool. universal health care that seems pretty cool so well yeah, but you're paying for it with the 68 percent tax rate. i would not pay for it now too so what if you never get sick i don't get sick now what if you're healthy it, so. like me Okay, I've no, I've I haven't gone to a doctor in years. Okay, you still I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. That's an honest answer. Sometimes I roll the dice, you know. Other times I say, you know what, I got a little expendable income. I'm going to buy some health insurance this year. Currently, I'm covered, but sometimes there's times I'm not. Because I'm in Sweden right now. I definitely go to Sweden. It looks like a beautiful, uh, beautiful country. So is it Sweden or Finland that has the outrageous tax rate? I think uh, one I, of them has the highest tax rate in the world, and it sounds like mm-hmm. horrendous. Yeah, I, I don't recall. I don't want to want to offend any more countries. So. Well, I mean, that's just a fact. I mean, you know, yeah. maybe this. Yeah, Finland looks not fun at all. It's very cold and all the pictures. Yeah, I'm not going to Finland. Ah, Finland looks all right. I'm going to Sweden, though. I'm not exiling anywhere. They're, all three of those suck. Finland, Sweden, and um, what's the or, third Norway. finger? Of, I believe, right? Norway, yeah, the, the three fingers I attached Norway to is the one with, the, with, with the incredible tax. I believe is it Norway? Norway? Okay. I believe so, but I it's don't. One don't of those three. It's one of them. You know, they all have great. They, it's like they kill it with the skiing in the Winter Olympics, but they're not good at anything else. Like all three of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're good at nothing. Is Norway good at hockey? I thought Norway was good at hockey. Oh, they might be good at hockey. Yeah, they, they, all those. Yeah, they're good at hockey and skiing. Those three countries. You know, and they probably are real sick and tired of everyone like us. Confusing them with each other. <laughs> Being they probably really ah, hate each other. Like, we're not at all the same. We are. Definitely. We're not at all the same. Yeah, and they're probably not. It's like probably very offensive to those people. It would be like saying, "Ah, Korea, Japan, and China." You know, it's probably the same to them. Like, no, we have completely different cultures. We're not fucking Finland and their dopey tax rate. Okay, like maybe they, you know, so. Maybe we are. I would love to know if we have listeners from any of those three countries. Right. I'm sure we do. I'm sure we do. So, yeah, make your make your pitch because I'm I'm looking for an exile country. So make your pitch for for your particular country. So you're looking for it. What are you 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 going to run from a murder? What are you doing? Are you killing? What happens? I don't know. I don't know. Are you skipping out on your income tax? What's going on? Uh, That's already too late for that. But no, just keep my options open. You know, we know you cook the books around here. Are you paying the taxes, Rich? (laughs) Right. You're gonna skip all those, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, once once I get paid for these ads, then then maybe we'll talk. But uh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> uh, loosen the collar. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, e, best of the super juniors. <laughs> so we got a collars. All those men looked great on their little press conference, right? They sure did. Uh, we've got some. 
that's kicking off this week. It actually looks really fucking awesome. Andrew Rich wrote a tremendous preview on the website. He is a very underrated writer. I mean, he's very clever, uh, comes up with some good material, a lot of good dad. If you're into dad jokes, Andrew oh, Rich yeah. is your man. Yeah, Andrew, every Andrew joke is the one where you look at and you just like kind of you shake your head initially and then you wait and then like 10 seconds later you start laughing. You don't want to so laugh. Bad, you're like, oh, that's terrible. And then then you can't help but just be like, oh, god damn it. Like it's so good. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I love I love Andrew. He's the great. You don't want to laugh, but then you just find yourself laughing. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so he pointed out some notable matches on the tour. We'll run through them real quick. On the 18th, of course, the tour kicker offer. We've got Willow Spray versus Bone Soldier, Taiji Ishimori, who, by the way, continues to call himself Taiji the Reborn. Is he throwing shots at Noah? Oh, yeah, of course he is. Are you kidding? I'm just, listen, I yeah. ask the questions, you give the answers. Yeah, I don't know. 100% he is throwing shade. Why would you just come up with the reborn? Like, no, 100%. That's, that's, that's shade being thrown that way. But Andrew says Osprey gets his first taste of revenge against Ishimori for the uh, wrestling Dantaku attack. On the 19th, we've got Kushida versus Chris Sabin. And uh, Andrew says the winner gets custody of Alex Shelley. So. Uh, good point there. Two tag team partners of Alex Shelley. We've got uh, Hiromu versus Desperado on the 22nd. That's the Joe Lanza special. He says, uh, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. And I really do believe that Hiromu versus Desperado is going to kill it. There's no way it can meet my expectations. This is interesting. He's got Bushi versus Tiger Mask highlighted on the 24th. Why? This will be Tiger Mask's 100th best of the Super Juniors block match, not counting forfeits. How about that? Yeah, that's incredible. 100 matches. That's crazy. Dragon Lee versus Hiromu. You can't not have these guys in the same block. We've got ACH versus Taiji Ishimori on the 31st. Former tag team partners explode. These two men were tag team partners in both NOAA and New Japan. We got Kushida versus Dragon Lee on June 2nd. That is the first ever singles match between Kushida and Dragon Lee. Can you believe that, Rich? I think about it. I don't know if I would have made that connection. But that is their first singles match, and it's probably going to be fucking awesome. Oh, that's yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it seems like they should have crossed paths at some point before, but nope. I guess I mean I guess they didn't. I mean, Dragon Lee only really comes in and does you know Fantastica Mania, and then does you know a, a, a occasional best of Super Juniors. Uh, he's done a few, but yeah, I I, I would assume it's those two. But yeah, that's a great match right there, and it's going to be different in a lot of ways than like a, a Dragon Lee Hiromo too, which is going to be cool. It'll be a little bit more ground game stuff with, with Kushida. Yeah, he, he, that one looks awesome. I mean, the, the, everything you've mentioned so far. Oh, with the exception of Bushi and Tiger Mask, which is just kind of there for, you know, uh, nostalgia purposes and a big deal for Tiger Mask. But, I mean, Jesus Christ, ACH, Sasisha Mori, Dragon Lee, Hiromu. I mean, it's incredible. Dragon Kushida, Dragon Lee, a lot of great stuff just on those first few nights. So we got Skrull versus Taguchi on, on the second as well. Same night as that Kushida, Dragon Lee match. The reason that that one is noted, that'll be Taguchi's 100th best of the Super Juniors block match. So uh, there you go for Taguchi, too. Been around forever. Willow Spray. Now, these two matches... This can get, tip you off to the booking a little bit, okay? So in the A block, we've got Willow Spray versus Flip Gordon on the third, okay? So that's a rematch from Global Wars, and it's also, you know, if you're just peeking at the booking, maybe that decides a block winner, who knows? And then we've got Kushida versus Hiromu uh, at the end of the B block, which, again, you got two guys of that caliber facing each other at the end, it could be a tip off of the of the of the booking directions. So we will talk more in depth for sure um, about. I think that's interesting too. How on June third, there 
all of the blocks in one night. I don't recall them doing it before. Well, I thought they did split alone. shows before, and that's I was kind of curious yeah. when when that, when that came out when the schedule came out. I had always assumed when I saw the list, I was like, well, that has to be two different shows. That's all one show. Just to give you an idea, here's what's going on June third. This is the last night of block play. You got Osprey versus Gordon as mentioned. Uh, you got Ishimori versus Yo, ACH versus Tiger Mask, uh, Bushi versus Kanemoro, Kushida versus Takahashi, Hiromu, um, Taguchi versus Sabin, Dragon Lee versus Desperado, and then Scroll versus uh, Show. So a lot of really interesting ones there. Of course, the eyes are kind of be definitely going to be on Osprey and Flip Gordon. Look like one. Kushida versus Hiromu definitely going to look like right. one. Um, does yeah. any other one jump out at you as one that could definitely be in, in play? I think a lot of us agree that the, the, the favorites, um, you know, a guy like a, an Ishimori would obviously be a favorite and, and, and whatnot. He's against Yo on that night. I, I don't know. Is there any other matches on that on that night that stick out to you of like, oh, hey, this one could really determine the block because I, I don't know. I don't know if there is like a, a set match in, in terms of well, I other think than the ones Andrew, we mentioned. Yeah, Andrew picked out the two that will definitely be, you know, Kushida Hiromu is not going to be playing out the string. I mean, you know, those two guys are going to be playing, are going to be facing each other to advance to the next night. Um, Osprey Flip Gordon too, obviously. Now I look at Taiji Ishimori versus Yo. And that could be a situation where Yo could be playing spoiler, but why would they have a tag guy and knock Ishimori out? So it's kind of like, it looks to me that Taiji Ishimori would win that match at some point earlier in the show and maybe need Will Ospreay to lose in order to win the block. You see what I mean? It might be one right, of those right, situations. Right. If Flip Gordon and, gets a bit of an upset and, 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 and yeah, that kind of yeah. works that way. Or... Osprey wins the block, but Ishimori beat him on night one to set up the match. You know what I mean? So Ishimori, Yo, kind of, I kind of look at that as Yo playing spoiler, Ishimori winning anyway, and then they do whatever they do. But I think the block does come down to Will Osprey or Ishimori Um, because ACH, Tiger Mask, you know, screams playing out the string, Um, you know, and then you got Bushi and Kanemaru. I don't expect them to be in the mix either. So I think those are the two relevant matches. The other side, you know, it's probably going to come down to Kushida versus Hiromu, and maybe you have some spoiler matches. Maybe someone like Sho knocks off a Marty Skrull. You know, maybe Dragon Lee gets knocked off by Despi on the last night. And I don't expect Taguchi or Saban to be in the mix, although we say that about Taguchi every year, and he ends up being in the mix. Right, exactly. Yeah, he was, he was what, you know, in the, in the finals last year, right? He gets a lot of booking respect. Yeah. I mean, he, so, you know, but, but yeah, clearly Kushida Hiromu will be the final match to take place from that block. And whether someone else is alive remains to be seen. But yeah, I'd say the Osprey Gordon, the Ishimori Yo, the Kushida Hiromu are the three matches that I would say 100% will have meaning. Um, and then, you know, you know, you, you think guys like Dragon Lee, Skrull, Taguchi have a chance to be alive, um, at least have a pulse going into that final day. But it's interesting they're doing both blocks. You know, that's eight matches right there. That's a hell of a show. That's like, you know, you look at all the other Great stuff. Most, most other, most other, you know, shows have four tops. You know, there's a few that have, have a few less. I think, or actually, no, I think all of them are four other than, other than yeah, that one. Yeah, so everyone else is, yeah. So everyone, yeah, everyone is four. So they're not splitting up too much. But then that June 3rd, yeah, you get eight on that night. So that's going to be an incredible night. A lot of stuff getting played there. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to look back at it, and I, you know, we're obviously a little run, you run a little low on time, so I, I won't. But yeah, I, I seem to recall in, in past years, like they do for the G1, where it'd be one night would be the A block, one night would be the B block. Yeah. I'm all mm-hmm. I'm all in on all of it being on, in Corican on one night. I mean, that's an incredible night. So June, yeah, 3rd, circle, circle June third, yeah, stay up late Christ. for that one. Call you know, call you know, use a sick day from work on the fourth, and uh, that'd be a great show to watch live because you know that's going to be a great junior show with some of the best juniors in the world. And then the next night is the final, so. 
Um, yeah, we'll talk more about that as the tournament's going on, though. But Ooh, let's June, move on. June 3rd is a Sunday. You're good. You just have to stay up and wake up early on Sunday, stay up late on Saturday. You're good to go for June 3rd. Oh, so yeah. So June 3rd is a Sunday. So it'll be late Saturday slash early Sunday yeah. for in the West. So you don't have to call off work. Yeah. Just got to stay up or that's get awesome. up early. That's, that's pretty cool there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, anything else in the world of uh, New Japan? No, let's lose, use our last few minutes on your... Uh, your wild Chicago weekend. You went to three wrestling shows. You went to that warrior wrestling. I have a lot of questions for you. Let's go shoot rapid. What was the attendance in your opinion? Did you give an estimate? My estimate initially looking at it, it was, it was kind of tough because it was in a big high school gymnasium and and they felt a ton of it. I initially thought when I was with my buddy and kind of asking him, Hey, what do you think this is? We, we guessed somewhere around 900 was our guess in our crude count was about 900. And that seemed like a lot. And it was kind of like, Oh geez, really? You think 900 or whatever? And that was kind of when it was, you know, in the moment it felt like, yeah, that's about what I would say. Uh, I actually did ask the guy who ran the show and he said about 850 is the number that they're kind of using. So he doesn't have an exact count. Give or take a few, but 850 is what he's got. Does he plan on doing more shows? Because this was for charity or for his school or whatever. So uh, do you get the sense that he wants to do more shows or this is it? I haven't heard anything about that yet. Uh, yeah, again, the, the quote that he gave me was we were floored by the attendance. That That's all he gave me so far. So I don't know if there's Warrior Wrestling 2. Nothing has been announced quite yet. It's, whether they're going to run regularly has not been announced yet. This kind of seems like a one-shot deal for now. But, I mean, with the success that they had, I, I, I don't see how it wouldn't be. And I was talking to you know a few people involved in wrestling on the show. I, I, I won't name names or whatnot. But one of them said, this is impressive, and I want to do something with this company now. You know, this, this guy's got something here. I, I don't know if he knows what he's got, but I'm going to tell him what he's got. So it's interesting. There are people that, that see that. Anybody in wrestling, you know, we said with the All In, there's always people that see that and go, holy shit, this is a thing. There were people at that show, people involved in wrestling that saw that and said, oh, that's a thing. I need to find yeah. out what's going on here, tap into this and see what we can do with this. Because if you got 850 people to come on a Friday night to, to the show, we can do some business here. And and we've said, and, and like people that are, are local know that the, the south suburbs of Chicago do not get a whole lot. They don't get a lot of wrestling. And this was proof to it. And and, and the guy that was running Warrior Wrestling mentioned that, that like this is a really underdeveloped market. People don't run shows in the south suburbs of Chicago. They run in Chicago proper. They run some other suburbs, but nobody runs this part of Chicago and he said, I'm doing it, and I promise we're going to get a lot of people. And fuck, he had a lot of people, a lot of families, a lot of young fans, and I thought that was kind of cool. Um, a nice blend of people, though. There were your you know, WWE fans, your, your, like you said, the belt marks, the encyclopedia people. But more than anything, it was, it was, it was passionate wrestling fans, and it was, it was families. So I think that was kind of cool to see that it wasn't people just there for Del Rio, but people that, that you know, knew some of the names and came because of that, or people that were passionate wrestling fans in that market that, that came because of that too. So it was kind of cool to see that, but uh, no, I don't know if there's our plans for a second show, but I know that there were people uh, already kind of getting uh, talking to him and going, okay, you got something here. What, what, let's talk business. So that, that, that'll be interesting to see how that goes. So, moving forward. so you get the sense it was successful. Now, did you, was there a lot of Spanish speaking and Hispanic fans there with all of the Lucha guys book? Did you notice a yes, higher percentage there wasn't of that? As many as I would think, but there were, there were air horns out. There were Vuvuzelas out. Oh, there was. Oh yeah. Okay. There, there were, there were quite a few, a lot of the families that were there. Uh, were, were it was kind of a, it was interesting because because the school itself tends to that actual school tends to have a lot of uh, a lot of black children you know a lot of because I, I know them from from different sports or whatnot so it, it, it's a weird area where maybe half the town is is black the other half is kind of Hispanic and then there's a few and and the crowd makeup was that it was very much there were your you, you know obviously you know your white fans that were there but there was all race i mean there was there was definitely hispanic fans and there was definitely black fans there too so it was kind of interesting to see that that, so that they combination drew from the of, community they drew right. from the 
Exactly. Right. Right. Okay. So did you get the sense that people knew who like Sam Adonis was or did, or do you get the sense that this was just people having fun reacting based on how the wrestlers put presented themselves? I think there's a little bit of a blend. I don't know that that many people knew who Adonis was. And I think one of the things that was, that was creative about Adonis is when he came out, he came out to not that much reaction and then cut a promo that was right out of what he would do in CMLL. He was right. wearing all America stuff, Triple talking A. about Triple Trump, A. telling about Triple A. Sorry, sorry, talking about you know uh, immigration and stuff. So he, yeah. I think, knew. Okay, hey, maybe a lot of people don't know this. What I will say though is Pentagon was over like fucking crazy. So these people okay. watch Lucha Underground. These oh, people gotcha. know who Pentagon gotcha. is, even if they don't know Adonis, even if they don't watch AAA or whatnot. Gotcha. But, so they knew all the Lucha Underground guys a lot. Like, who was the other guy? Uh, uh, Phantasma is obviously an yeah, so they knew. So he was super over, too. Dos Caras was not as much over. Right. Okay, gotcha. over. You know, gotcha. Adonis wasn't that much over. Pentagon was over. So these people watch Lucha Underground, I think. Yeah. I don't know if they watch AAA because I, I don't know. It, it was hard to say, but like, yeah, it, it seemed like the Lucha Underground guys and the WWE guys were the most over, whereas your other just straight indie or, or like Lucha guys were not as much over as those guys. And the indie people were kind of hit or miss. But I think the biggest pop of the night was Pentagon for sure. Pentagon and Del Rio had the two biggest pops of the night for sure. Interesting. And uh, most of the matches basically lived up to exactly what you would have expected on paper. That's pretty much the sense I got from Yeah, you. I don't think anything was great, and I don't think anything was bad. I mean, Phoenix had some travel issues, so he wasn't there, so it was just Pentagon, Seidel, and DJZ. They had a, a fun match. Not great. None of these guys went out there and killed themselves. It was fine. I, I think that's kind of everything. I mean, there was nothing that was really offensive. I mean, Ellsworth and Hornswoggle with Frank the Clown as, as a guest referee was pretty uh, pretty terrible, about as, as terrible as you would expect it yeah, to be. Yeah, but you would expect it to be terrible. Exactly. Yeah. So it was fine. Like, I kind of understood what it was going to be. And then the, the Del Rio swagger was very weird. There was a lot of talking for a long amount of time. Then they did crowd brawling, and then they talked some more. And it was it was definitely smoke and mirrors. It was not a very well-worked wrestling match. But that was fine because the crowd went, went nuts for it. So it's one of those things where, like, no, I'm not going to sit here and star rate Del Rio and Swagger and say, oh, that was good. But the fans were going, oh, actually, ape shit for everything that they did. So it's like, well, you know, it worked for, for whatever that fan base was, even if, you know, structurally the match was a mess, a complete disaster. And, and, and you know, Del Rio looked like he was a little off uh, in, in a lot of ways and, and, and looked like, you know, and I, I, he, I will just say he cut a promo afterward and said, I can't wait after today. I can finally see my kids after five weeks. I'll let you decide what was going on for five weeks, but he looked a little off. He wasn't uh, totally. Are you saying he had to go away for a while? I I think so. Yes. He seemed to have lost a little bit of weight. Wasn't working out very much and hadn't seen his kid in five weeks. So Hmm. whatever you want to go with that, he looked a little, it looked like he had been a little rusty in terms of the wrestling thing. So, but he looked good. I'll, I'll be honest. He looked he looked younger than he has for a long time. So that, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, yeah. he, he looked spry, even if it was a little rusty and swagger is, is whatever at this point. Swagger is the biggest fucking disappointment in, in any, I feel like such an idiot. I, I'm just going to, we had a show where we were talking about how the sky's the limit for this guy. He fucking stinks. Yeah. He's yeah. No he's effort. Fucking terrible. No effort in this match. He was, did nothing in this match at all. Del Rio did so much more than him. And swagger stinks. He sucks. They had Adonis come out with him to give him heat too. Right. They had Adonis come out and do all the America. And Swagger, it fucking stinks. God, I'm so disappointed by him. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's not been good. And he's going to do MMA. And who knows if he'll even try in that. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, 
the ROH show. Um, we don't have to talk. There was a TV taping, right, that you yeah. guys got. So a little rough to sit through that, but they oh, drew sucks. well, right? <laughs> it drew, uh, I think the exact number was uh, 1,800, which is about 100 less than Lowell had in the World of the Worlds tour. And I think, uh, I, I, if I recall, the last Global Wars that was at the same venue, uh, the one with Kenny Omega in uh, whatever it was, October or whatever, that one I think had about 2,000 or so. So this was definitely, there was a lot more empty seats than there were for Global Wars, but it was still a very good crowd all, all in all. So, I mean, definitely success in that sense. But, I mean, pretty dreadful show. It was horrible to sit through a TV tape. I never, I will never go to another TV taping again for our it, Yeah, awful. it's it's not good. And I mean, I guess uh, with running low on time and really wanting to get to Game Changer here, I mean, anyone who wants to see these matches is going to see them. Because yeah, over the next like nine months, you're going to see these. I was, I kept it and tell my wife that like, yeah, or the nurse, you know, that, that we're, we're seeing TV for the next because it was the, the funniest thing is like every match. Because she would get excited because she wants to leave. You know what I mean? She's like, oh, good. Because they would come out and, and Bobby Cruz would be, this is our main event. And she'd be like, oh, good. And I'm like, well, no, there's like nine more main events to go yeah. to. It's like, we got a while here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Briscoe, Rapungi 3K, an hour into the show. Nope, that is not your main event. And then Silas right. versus Austin Aries. Nope, that's not your main event. Like, but every time right. Bobby Cruz would come out, this is your TV main event. And she was like, oh, good, main event. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> Until she out. kept selling it. That is tremendous. Flip Gordon, John Gresham, your main event. She's like, oh, no, 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 not, not yet. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I felt so oh. bad. And then she was just like, when is it finally? Oh, and she didn't get the joke because we would keep laughing. We're like, oh, this is it. This is the main event. She would go like, oh, okay. <laughs> and the match would end. And then another guy would come out. And she said, I thought that was the main event. We're like, it was. And she just, it was just like torture in the portal yeah, unfortunately uh for her but uh yeah you're gonna see a lot of the stuff silas young austin aries good uh briscoe brothers Punky 3k good flip gordon jonathan gresham good uh everything else kind of terrible a lot of ref bumps too so get used to that over the next uh 10 weeks of, of roh tv uh there was like numerous matches that ended with uh with ref bumps so yeah get used to that so game changer expands oh, and runs chicago yeah, I, I I talked you into going. You had to go. People we know talked you into going. I wavered. I wavered the day before. I wavered. I was but tired. I really I really wanted you to experience it. You've experienced it. We all saw the Krejci lens. You were questioning your existence at points during the show and why the hell you were dragged to this thing. But overall, are you glad that you experienced Game Changer up close and personal? That's question number one. And question number two, quickly. Would you go back if they return to Chicago? Okay, that's that, those are great double questions. So the first question, I'm glad I went. I'm I'm very glad I went. It was a great experience. It's something that I definitely recommend everybody check out at least once. Um, you know, if you watch it, because I've watched numerous death matches on you know video and whatnot. It, sure. it, it, it's it's a, di- a totally different experience live. It just feels different. The look is different. The atmosphere is different. Everything about it is so much more different if you're there live. So I definitely am glad I went, and I think everybody should go if I would ever go again, I don't know. I think I was kind of done with it when it was over. It, it, it's I, I told, cause I was there with, uh, with Sean Sloan and, and, and Rob, you know, the, the, the St. Louis crew, they drove up from St. Louis sure. and we, you know, that we were all kind of apprehensive. <laughs> you know, we were all kind of like, Oh geez, what are we doing here? The first match, we're all looking at each other. Like I'm in, in GA, they're in the front row. You know, they're dodging you know, light tubes and, and right. then, you know, <laughs> thumbtacks and shit. I'm kind of far away. So I'm just looking at them like, Oh my God. And we were kind of looking at each other, and the first match was like, holy shit, uh-oh, this is this is the thing. And then, you know, Sequel played Joey Janela, which was an incredible match. Like, I, And I, I never thought I would say in my life that a death match was was, was that to me, but it was awesome. Like, Stars! Um, four and a half, I think. Wow. I'm not kidding. Those two, I mean, if, if there's, and everybody in the, uh, the crowd, too, it was a standing, it wasn't just like I thought it was great, but like even people that I know are hardcore death match guys that were there were, were standing ovation when it was done. Like, it was, it was incredible. These dudes are just 
yeah, see it when you get a chance. If you can, I know that they have the will, walk cut up yeah, on mean, Smart Mark video. I would, I would definitely check this out. And and I'm not a guy that would say it because the rest of the show really kind of stunk. And yeah. it, it's unfortunate because after that fourth match, which was like, yeah, that was sequel play and Joey Janelle. And I was like, holy fuck, like this is awesome. Game changers, great. And we, you know, I, I was talking to Rob and Sean after that, and they're like, holy shit, we got to come every time. And then. Eric Ryan and Schlack happened, and then G Raver and Scotty Vortex happened, and then the Rejects, and then Marcus Crane and Nick Age. And when it was all said and done, I was like, I'm, I'm kind of over the light tubes thing. I'm kind of, right. you know, by the time, you know, another hour had passed, it's midnight. I'm like, all right, guys, I get it. Like, you're going to hit yeah. him with a light tube and you're going to bust open. There's going to be blood everywhere. And then you're going to, you know, take a, 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 a back body drop onto a, you know, cut out soda cans or whatever. It's fine. I get it. Like, I got it. Sequel play and Joynella, I got it. I get the appeal. I saw it. I, I I witnessed it, and I was like, that's it. I get it why people love this stuff. And then five more matches happened, and I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm kind of done. You know, it right. just And that's the deathmatch thing, and it's always been the deathmatch thing for me. We've all gone – you we mentioned this on this podcast before. We've all gone through our phases where we're, where we're like, sure. oh, shit, this is really cool stuff. I, I Everybody had a CZW phase in a while. Everybody had – some sort of hardcore wrestling phase. I've always, I've tried big Japan a, a numerous times and there's times where I watch it. FMW is, is, is I've always wa- kind of watched right, right, right. a few yeah. and been like, Oh, this is awesome. This is great. But the fifth time you see a guy go in the ropes and th- everything explodes, you're kind of like, all right, whatever. That's I'm kind of over it. And that's what happened yeah. on this night. The, the 20th time a guy got hit over the head with a light tube. I was like, all right, you know, I'm good. I'm over it now. Glad I went, yeah. but I, I don't know that I would ever go again. The appeal wore off after a few hours and I was kind of ready for it to be over and done with when it was all done. Let me throw some questions at you, some quick hitters okay, as we yeah. enter our final five minutes. Um, did you, what did you think of? I told you I wanted you mainly to get the Nick Gage live aura. Did it impress you, or did you? Or were you like, eh? I still don't get it. No, I get it. I, I definitely get it. And knowing that the people that were in the crowd a little bit and and and, and sort of sensing what 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 they like. No, it was definitely a unique thing to have Nick Gage in the crowd. But I think more than that, it was it. it Nick Gage was one of them, and he was definitely the leader of it. But it was kind of interesting yeah. to see all these guys are kind of gods. You know what I mean? Like, sure, like a yeah. Nate Webb came out, and people were fucking adoring, like a Nate Webb. Yeah. Like a a sequel pay came out, and people were just losing their mind for him. Janella. So that's it. Was it was you know Nick Gage has a certain thing about him, but I wonder if Nick Gage is almost more. It, it feels like more of a difference if he comes out on a show where it's not like that. You know, it's not a deathmatch sort of show, but there was definitely a, a tangible yeah. feel to him. But everybody that walked through that curtain, it was interesting. It was like, and that's what I appreciate about them. And I think I tweeted it out is that whether I enjoy it or not, people are here. And there was 300 people easily here in an area that did not fit 300 people. Let me tell you, if a fire marshal came, they would definitely kick everybody out because it was it was definitely not for so the, good crowd. Very good crowd. Very okay. good crowd. And what was interesting, too, when we were ta- I was talking to Sean and, and Rob about that and, and a few other people that I met, it wasn't people that I see all the time. You know what I mean? I go to AEW. Right. I go to all these indie shows. I go to Warrior Wrestling the night before. I don't know who any of these people were. I have never right. seen half the people that were in this crowd. I say half. I didn't know. I knew five of the people that were in this crowd. Everybody else was like first time. I've never seen any of these other people anywhere at any other show. So that was unique and interesting, too. So there's a different market that these people are, are, are sort of working towards. So whether I enjoy it or not, whether you enjoy it, whether Joe Lanza likes it, they're doing something right. They got 300 people in a new market that adore every single guy that walked through that curtain. Whether it's okay, so- G Raver or Nate Webb, sure. it doesn't matter. People are losing their minds for every single guy that comes through that curtain. But it's interesting. I'm not getting the impression that Gage really stood out as the man. Like yeah, he- I think 
I think it. He probably did, but I. Th- this is like three and a half hours into the show. I got you. I got you. But I was it, worn out. I just kind of wanted him to get to the ring and and, and finish his match. To be honest, so I, th- I I would like to try it again, maybe with the gauge thing. I think I just I it might have lost on me a little bit. So there was there wasn't it. that there wasn't that special buzz when he came out. Not really, because I think I had seen so much danger and stuff throughout the entire show. Right. So no, I don't. I don't know that he had a, a different buzz than everybody else. See, um, every time I've seen Gage, he really just has a different kind of buzz than everybody else. On the yeah, show. I heard that. I heard that. And I was kind of interested in seeing that. And it, it 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 was to an extent, but then it kind of wasn't. And one of the issues, too, with death matches is every time in between matches, there's like 20 minutes for them to clear the ring out and get all yeah. the, the other and then bring the new weapons in. So I kind of like after that, it sort of started grinding on me. And I'm like, you know, three and a half hours into this. The place is a sweat box. I'm, I'm, you know, it, it, I'm looking at my clock. It's, you know, 12.05 and the gauge is coming out. I'm like, ah, geez. Like, so that probably w- played a part in why I maybe didn't see it. Because the fans definitely, I mean, they enjoyed him. But I don't know if there was a special, like, oh, my God, danger buzz. Tim, I think there was an, oh, my God, danger buzz to the entire show. And that was kind of cool to know that, like, oh, shit, I got to be aware at any moment. Because, like, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen or what's going to fly at my face. So that was cool. But I don't know that there was a certain danger difference with Nick Gage. That he was good, and obviously the crowd loved him, but I didn't I didn't get that special feel that you're kind of trying to, to to ask for. Um, Eli Everfly, did he strike you as anything special like he has some other people? Yeah, he was good. Eli Everfly and Tony Deppen were good. That match, it was Eli Everfly, Gringo Loco, your boy, Kyle the Beast. I'm now a Kyle the Beast guy. And Tony Deppen, they killed it. They had an awesome match. They had a legit like three and a half star, four star, four way match, which and was no death match either. It was just high flying moves and stuff. Unfortunately, like, and it, I think it happened to Eli and I believe it happened to Tony is they did like a flip to the outside and then landed in like a pile of like discarded, you know, light tubes from the previous yeah. match. So like they got cut open, even though I'm sure those guys were, you know, hoping to not right. get cut open. Eli Everfly did a, you know, a dive from the top of the entranceway and stuff. No, they, this was a really, really good match. A lot of high flying. It, it was a nice difference. And I wish that I almost wish that they had put it later in the show because I think it would have broken up a lot of the deathmatch stuff. If it would have went over, you know, went after the G Raver Scotty Vortex or whatever, I think it would have been more powerful. But it was early in the show and it was awesome. But I think it might have worked a little bit better later in the show to kind of be a difference. Because otherwise, like the last five matches were all deathmatches or whatnot. And it got kind of boring at that point. Okay. Best match, best show of the three that you saw the Warrior Wrestling, yeah. the Game Changer, the ROH TV taping. What was the best show of the three that you saw? And what was the best match of the weekend that you saw? I think you're going to say Ciclope Joey Janela. Yeah, Ciclope, Ciclope Joey Janela, 100% the best match I saw the weekend. And, and honestly, game changer. I, I, you know, like I said, I didn't go back, but I enjoyed the show. I mean, when it was all over, when I left, I didn't feel like I wasted my time or wasted my money. I was ready to go home. I was over it, but I was, I, I enjoyed it. And I'm glad I experienced it. It was, it's a unique atmosphere, man. It's, it's a dangerous, like, I go to wrestling shows and I'm fucking around my phone all the time. I'm jacking around. I'm doing stuff, dude. I, I couldn't take my eyes off this for better, or for worse. I, there was, I was attracted to seeing what the hell was going to go on. Even if at a certain point I said, ah, this is kind of getting disgusting. I'm kind of over this now, but still it was, it was a unique atmosphere to be in and, and just seeing the crowd reactions to everybody and seeing that, Hey, whether I enjoyed it or not, people are, are, are devoted to this and here and love all the guys and buying merch and, and really losing their minds for these guys. So it was cool to see. So I think, yeah, I, I think Game Changer was probably my favorite one. Ring of Honor felt very empty and dry and hollow like a lot of Ring of Honor does uh, these days. And Warrior Wrestling was super cool and fun to see, but ultimately the matches didn't really deliver on that level. And that's fine. It wasn't meant to be that. It was meant to be a show that was more t- the names. But Game Changer, man, it had everything. It was it was awesome. It was it, it, it was interesting. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I'll go again, but I'm, I'm I'm glad I went this time for sure. Final question of the show as we wrap up the flagship this week. We're talking about indie wrestling, so I have one more question for you. 
you have a free plane ticket and you have a free ticket to the show, but you can only pick one. Do you go to – and there, these are two matches, two big okay. indie matches coming up in the next couple of weeks. Do you go to Chikara to watch Mike Quackenbush challenge for the Grand Championship for the first time in like seven years against Juan Francisco de Coronado? Or do you go to Black Label Pro to see Brian Alvarez and Filthy Tom Lawler face the Rock and Roll Express? Um. I, do I do I have to accept a plane ticket to Crown Point, Indiana? Though I can get there in like an hour and a half. So you get the idea, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm just answer saying. the question. Uh, I think the Black Label Pro thing for sure. All expenses paid. Okay, well then a follow up. Then are you going to go to that show? I think so. I have it tagged. I have it in my calendar. That's right awesome. Now. I'm hoping to. I'm hoping I can go. Yeah. Come on now, that you Rock and Roll Express versus Super <laughs> Chico and Tom Super Chico. Yeah, I can't guess. miss that. I know. I'm I, I'm gonna make all efforts to get there for sure. It looks like I've been trying to go to Black Label Pro because they they're fun. They got a fun little thing going on. They're they're not booking necessarily the same people that that the Chicago area is booking, even though they could. They're booking different guys that you know. They're booking PCO. They're booking you know Haku. It's 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 it's, it's interesting what they're doing, and they're not doing necessarily. They're not doing like nostalgia for the sense of nostalgia. They're not booking Al Snow and Scotty Tuhati. Like they're booking fun nostalgia acts, guys that you don't see all the time. Rock and rolls, a Haku, as I mentioned, guys like that. You know, you know, PCO, as I mentioned, guys like so. That's cool that they're doing stuff like that. So no, I'm definitely making all efforts to try to go to that show for sure. Would I'm you feel watch- like Tom and Super Chico versus Rock and Roll? Come on, like I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Would, yeah, would, for sure. But but see, I think the Quackenbush match will be a better match. But I think the other match will be a lot of fun. Would you watch Quackenbush versus Juan Francisco de Coronado if someone slipped you an, an illegal copy of it? Would you oh, watch? Oh, for sure. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. And Quack's a guy, you know, for better. You know, I don't I don't know necessarily like the guy, but he's a great wrestler. Like, so yeah, I would definitely watch that. And that's that's, that's a cool our moment. boy. He's facing our boy who we've yeah, been exactly. for years. And and Chikara, for better or for worse, I mean it's not for us anymore, but the fans that go to Chikara love it and adore it and and always react well to. So, you know, it's one of those things um that you know, watching those, it, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun atmosphere one way or another. They, and they're they're very much the fans that have stuck with it, obviously, you know, few and far of them. But uh, they are – they're devoted to the history of Jakarta too, and that's a historic moment. So, no, I would absolutely 100% yeah, watch Yeah, first it. title match for Quack in years. Right, and yeah, that's years. huge. That's a big deal. Well, I think we're out of time. All right, so that's it for uh, the crazy wrestling weekend. But Game Changer, did my death match. I'm good for a little while, I think. But uh, anyway, voicewrestling.com, voicewrestling.com slash forums, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter. Uh, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. We mentioned Andrew Rich's preview at voicewrestling.com for the best of the Super Juniors. Definitely want to check that out. And uh, yeah, of course, on Patreon, Joe mentioned earlier, a lot of good stuff. Joe's TV reviews, my interview with Cody Rhodes, a lot of other good stuff on there. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Uh, I think our sponsors, Dollar Shave Club, dollarshaveclub.com slash Voices, and ZipRecruiter, ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW for Joe Lanza. I'm Rich Creech. We'll see you next time on the Voice Wrestling Podcast. Take care.